Hello and welcome to another episode of Archive Panic. I'm your host, Ben Niven. Lads, it's Jacob. How you doing? <laughs> and today we are back with our West Craven Marathon, this time covering 1984's smash hit, The Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street is never used in the fucking movie, they never say it. Which I didn't know. But you see the street signs. I know, but they never say it. No. Which I never, you know, caught on to until this watch for some reason. But yeah, yes. they, never, they never say it. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie, though. This is, I'm going to admit to bias right up front, okay? This mm-hmm. is one of my favourite movies, not just horror films, one of my favourite movies of all time. Mm. I adore this film. It is one of the films that got me back into horror after being shit scared of everything for so long i was fear of the fucking dark as a kid right i would stay away from any time i saw a horror movie i would so inevitably so, have nightmares so much so you wouldn't even listen to the song no fear of the dark no i wouldn't it shut me up uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh so much so that like any time i would watch even something vaguely horror mo- related i would have nightmares i had nightmares after watching scary movie three and I was right. That is how fucked up I was, and how much of a shite bag I was. Genuinely, I'm gonna piss up my fingers. Oh no, wait, not Scary Movie Three. Sorry, Scary Movie. What was the one where they done the ring? Was that Scary Movie Four? I don't know. They all run into one. From yeah, me. whatever one where they done like the piss take of the ring and or like the grudge or what have you. Uh, I think it was Scary Movie Four, not Three, because no. Three was the one with the aliens and Leslie Nielsen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like I watched that film and like immediately had nightmares and and couldn't sleep right. So that's how much of a shite bag I was until one day uh, an internet creator which by the name of the Angry Video Game Nerd put out his videos covering the NES game for Nightmare on Elm Street which in itself included a kind of homage to Nightmare on Elm Street in which, you know, Freddy was invading the video and he was getting killed and all that. (laughs) And this one was like, oh, this seems kind of fucking cool. What the fuck is Freddy Krueger? I found a list of his top 10 kills. See, I did that with... Um, Watch that. I had a similar thing, but it was with Friday the 13th. I found a video of that. Yeah, yeah. It might yeah. have been the same video. <laughs> oh, with, uh, have to, he covered Friday the 13th. The no, well, I mean, like, I just, like a, I just found a random oh, you just found video, a random video, video of the kills, yeah. Top 10 Jason Voorhees kills. So, so Watch the Kills was immediately, like, enamoured with this movie. And then went out to find the first whatever film I could watch for free so I was like looking at like my skybox and like what I could see on like find on YouTube and stuff like that do you know the first Friday the do you know the first Nightmare on Elm Street film I ever watched was it the remake no Freddy vs Jason no fuck knows I don't know Freddy's Dead the final nightmare oh Uh, yeah it sucks (laughs) the worst film in the entire franchise if you don't count the remake and Ooh, uh, that's, that's, mm, that's up for debate. I would say it's a tie between five and Freddy's Dead for me. Five was yeah, five is just forgettable for the most part. Freddy's Dead is at least kind of funny, so yeah, I would maybe give it to five if I rewatched it. It's been a while, but uh, nah, it's yeah, and immediately fell in love with the character, although that film was fucking terrible. Eventually managed to watch uh, Freddy vs. Jason and was like, oh fuck. <laughs> That's what this guy's actually meant to be kind of creepy and fucking not just cracking jokes 24 7. Okay, this is fucking cool. Let me go back and watch the first one now. Fell in love. Uh, and then immediately started, and then got started watching horror films again. 
shortly after, met yourself. We started talking about, was introduced to like Friday the 13th and Basket Case and all sorts of mad shit. I knew of Freddy Krueger. I can't remember where I'd heard of him from. I think it was just like one of these... He's one of those characters that's similar to the likes of Jason or Chucky. Well, my, my, or my, Leatherface. Well, like, my sister likes... A bunch, my, he's kind of everywhere. My sister likes likes horror movies, so I probably just got it from her. But yeah. like, I don't think she ever had any of them when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But like, you know... like to I, see, remember, I do remember Freddy vs. Jason coming out and being like, what the fuck is this? Because, you know... Yeah. You're like eight years. I think I was like eight or something when that came uh, out. So I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Is so, you know? See, I missed it when it first came out. I watched it much later. Ooh. But uh, yeah, and just as I said, this is the film that kind of got me back into horror and thoroughly enjoyed. And really interested in practical effects as well because the effects in this film are incredible and very well done yeah. uh, for very little budget. And uh, yeah. considering what the effects were. I actually have a number for what I actually but, uh, have. A, I actually have the number of how much the effects cost in this movie. Oh yeah, um, but, uh, but we'll get into that later on. For now, how have you been, Jacob? I don't know. I've been okay. I mean, I've just been chilling, watching fucking. Uh, uh, well, I suppose I can talk about it here. Super Bowl's over. The NFL season's done. Yep. Fucking Kansas City beat the 49ers which we all knew was going to happen yeah everyone kind of knew that now was we're just sitting going who the fuck is going to beat Patrick Mahomes now I don't know but that's why you know that's why the NFL is fun you never know what's going to happen true so the old phrase on. any given Sunday roll on next uh, September I think it starts I can't remember but fuck it we'll see what the off season brings who's going where <laughs> ah, the draft yeah, uh, yeah. well the draft uh, yeah Draft is for all the college kids, yeah. But we'll see what's going to happen. Who gets the? Does foot? Does our, our football doesn't really do a draft, does it? It's just got, no, no. It has the transfer windows though, where does uh, does it work? Players will be transferred from place to place. Right, so it doesn't work like the NFL, where it's like the worst team in the league gets first pick because they're trying to like. Not necessarily. No, it's mm. right in this. It's like it is almost entirely down to. Say it with me now. Money! Money! Yep. It's kind of like that in the NFL as well, but with... Um, uh, with players costing specific monetary goals. I don't know exactly how the transfer windows work, whether there's like certain picks or stuff like that. I just know that it's a lot of like wheeling and dealing, backdoor stuff. I know that how much money any team has is almost directly related to how well they do in a season. Uh, if you want if you want proof positive that that is the case, look at what ha- happened to Wrexham prior to their investors coming in. Yeah. Uh, they were a shit team that no one really gave a fuck about outside of the town. As soon as money was injected into the team, they immediately uh, beat, re- got out of their relegation battle and went on to go up a league. They're in League One, aren't they? Yes, the, yeah. it's like it's crazy because it's not as if the people because it's not as if fucking Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney knew a lot about football going in. They just put money in the team and that's it. With uh, the NFL, it kind of comes down to... Because there's no like promotion or relegation or anything like that, it all comes down to who owns the teams. Yeah. How much money they're willing to put into you know, their, their stuff. And also, like uh, the, co- the the draft is usually reserved for like college players. So Aye. you know the worst team will get the first pick just so they can try and like, you know, improve themselves. You know? Yeah, try and bring in like the, the newest hot talent. Yeah, yeah, and you know, obviously they do trades and all that stuff as well. But, but yeah, it's exciting to see what's going to happen. Um, I fucking uh, hopefully the Packers do better. I mean, they did really well. They got into the playoffs, so that was cool. They beat the Cowboys. Fuck you all. And uh, <laughs> my backup team, the Ravens, did even better than the Packers, so that was fun. Um, yeah. Until they didn't. 
yeah. <laughs> Until they got beaten by the fucking 49ers. Yep. Pricks. So, <laughs> well, so. let's see what happens. So, yeah, we'll see what happens next year. But other, outside of that, um, mm-hmm. I've been watching some shit. You certainly have, yes. I watched a very good documentary on folk horror. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And what was that called? Called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. Uh, it's like three hours long. If you like folk horror movies like The Wicker Man and Midsummer and or Midsummer, Child, uh, Children of the Corn, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know these sorts of things. Give it a watch. It's pretty cool. It goes into like the origins of the stuff and where the influences all come from, and like also looks at like folk horror from around the world. So they get into like Japanese stuff and American stuff and see that aspect Eastern of it, Eastern European things. That aspect also. of it was really cool because I thought it was going to focus like because most of these documentaries, whenever they come out with regards to film, they tend to focus primarily on Hollywood. Uh, maybe well, that's every, uh, well, maybe every now and then they'll go fair, back and go into like European to stuff. To be fair, it's because like, like um, the reason that they don't really do that for the American stuff is because Hollywood doesn't really do folk horror movies that much. Yeah. Um. I mean, they talk a lot about Australian folk horror stuff in this. So you know, they talks about like Aboriginal stuff and all. Oh that. yeah. So it, it, it's pretty cool. I, I I highly recommend it. It's like three hours long. It's on Prime, but it, it's good. It's, it's a good, good watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watched that. And I also um have been f- binging. Um, do you remember the the show? Cold Case. Yes. Call me a basic bitch all you want, but I like my detective TV shows. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. And Cold Case. It was one of those ones I remember from growing up, you know. I can't talk, man. I've been watching fucking Criminal Minds recently. Criminal Minds on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cold Case is great, though. I mean, it's like, it's. Have you ever seen it? Uh, I am familiar with it, but I never watched it. Well, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. It's like. Uh, Obviously, they investigate murders that happened like 20 years before or whatever, or even four years, whatever. But it's like uh, the way they shoot it and all that is really good because it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. So, like, yeah. you know, he knows, I call it coke editing. So, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's, he knows how to get you engaged in shit. And the, the, the use of music is really good because they always get, like, uh, music from the time period or whatever a year uh, the murder happened and it's all very good shit and they do like uh, double casting so you see the younger version of whoever was there and then like the present day version it's good stuff it's good stuff and it also gets into like uh, you know the the social issues of the times that the, of the murders were happening so yes. you have like you have like civil rights stuff and fucking uh, you know the abortion stuff and fuck that's cool and all that sort of thing so yeah it, it's good I like it a lot I like it a lot and um, it was kind of timely because uh, fucking uh, Tina from Nightmare on Elm Street was in an episode I was watching yeah where she's the survivor of a nightclub fire so she kind of looks like Freddy so that's a bit insensitive but also fucking <laughs> true so let's move on <laughs> Uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> Fantastic. I've not really been up to much. I've just been enjoying the nostalgia brought on by uh, getting to watch this film again. It's it's one of those it's one of those ones I will never I'll almost always say it's my favourite, but it's not like say the thing, for instance, where I'll watch it every year. Yeah, you never really watch a movie over and over again. Yeah, it's, it's like every now and then. Like oh. I, my fucking favorite movie is Apocalypse Now, but I don't. Watch oh fuck that! Right. If you watched, if you watched that regularly, you would turn into a hollowed out husk of a man. I think I've only seen it like five times, maybe. Yeah. Know, so, but uh, yeah, I don't watch it as often as some of my other favorites, like say, like Star Wars, the thing that kind of. Thing. But by God, whenever I do watch it, I fucking love every moment of it. Mhm. Mhm. So, shall we get into the vitals? Uh yes yes. Okay. Yes. So Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four, kind of mm-hmm. late into the slasher game. Very late. Almost almost towards the end of the 
Well, what, what, what you see, the trend. What, what you see in slasher movies is like if you look at them, uh, you know, Halloween got the ball rolling. Uh, you can't. Yeah, obviously, there's arguments for like Black Christmas and Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw yeah. and all that stuff. But Halloween got the ball rolling, so you got a bunch of Halloween. Slightly less so with Last House on the Left. Yeah, but then like uh, you know, slasher movie trend got kind of tired. There was a lot of them coming out. Yeah. So around this time, with the success of this movie, mm-hmm. you could. There's obviously going to be other examples, but this was the big one. Uh, you start seeing a lot more supernatural type slasher stuff. So, yeah, even uh, Friday the Thirteenth started leaning towards a more supernatural kind of vibe. Hell yeah! Uh, shortly after this film came out, uh, most notably with Jason Goes to Hell much later on, which also uh, uh, produced by New Line. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! And uh, but yeah, written directed by Wes Craven, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> uh, produced by Bob Shea at New Line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robert Shea. Fucking he. He looks like whenever I see him, uh, he always looks like a. I don't know. He looks like this one actor that I only. I'll need to show you afterwards. But uh, yeah, no. Nah. Budget. What do you think the budget was? So, I know that this was considered a low budget movie even for the time. So Swamp Thing's got a bigger how, budget. Than yes, this movie. fucking Swamp Thing has a bigger budget. And that was low budget. Swamp <laughs> and Swamp Thing was about two and a half or two million. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say this was. I'm gonna go for half. I'm gonna say this film cost a million. One point one. Oh, fucking too close. Because you need to keep in mind, right, so New Line Cinema is a big fucking thing now. Now, but this was... The, this is the movie I kind of made it a big thing. <laughs> to, yeah, to sort of drive the point home, this film was primarily filmed in California. New Line did not have an office in California at the time that this was released. Mm. They were working out of essentially a coffee shop in New York yeah. uh, at the point that this, this came out. So... Oh, Bob Shea was constantly going like back and forth, as were multiple people from New Line were going back and forth from uh, New York to California, from coast to coast, effectively, uh, to make this yeah, film. Like this, this movie kind of made New Line into the mini major it is today. So very much so, yes. I mean, uh, I suppose the Lord of the Rings did that as well, but you know, well, got... the, well, this has put it up into the mini major. Lord of the Rings put it up to be like the major production house. I don't, know if, production I don't house. know if you could count it as a major production house. I, I think there's... After Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Fucking even, yeah. Because even then, like, I don't really know. But anyway, um, yeah. Box office. Actually, actually, before I ask you the box office, what do you think the special effects budget in this was? Well, out of 1.1 million, I'm saying about 600,000. 50,000. Fuck off. 50,000. Fifty thousand dollars for the special mm, effects shows what you can do with fifty thousand dollars and a bunch of latex. <laughs> so yeah. the rotating room alone would have cost like twenty five. Yeah, fifty thousand. Well, think about it. You've got the rotating room, but then yeah, latex. They use that tw- the rotating room, which they lose latex they and a bunch twice. of blood. So yeah, the special effects work on Freddy. Mm-hmm. Shit ton of fake blood. Mm-hmm. Really, all you need is the rotating. Room. Having a build, having a build, uh, many swim- well, having a blackout a swimming pool for the. It wasn't a swimming pool; it was a tank. Uh, sorry, having a blackout a tank. Yeah. For that, having just... a build a fake. But bathroom. to black that out, all you need to do is just put in like, just, like fucking... black sheets, yeah. Or even just masking tape. Yeah. It doesn't. It's really not that fucking. Much. Jesus Christ! Yeah. But yeah, box office madness. Oh, this film was a worldwide success. Mm-hmm. Okay, like. Easily, like, oh, hold on a second, right? So, if it, it cost 1.1 million to make, mm-hmm. let's say it, let's say it made 20 times its money back, 20 million. 57. 
fucking hit. 57 million Hell off yeah. of a budget of 1.1. Yeah, and I don't think you would have seen like uh, another sort of horror movie, uh, low budget horror movie, make that much money until like fucking, I don't know, Paranormal Activity, which was only like two hundred thousand dollars, but it made like fucking yeah, <laughs> that went up into like almost hundreds of millions. I think it was hundreds of millions. Yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, IMDb out of ten. Oh, this is easily you're easily you're getting into like the nines. So I'm gonna say like, I don't know like nine point three, nine point four, seven point four. Fuck off, you tasteless heathens. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score. Percentage out of 100. Okay, so I'm going to be with 7.4. I'll say 74% for the critics. 95. Mother... I, motherfucker! <laughs> Audience, again, out of 100. Okay, again. Okay, we'll say something like the critics. 90. 84. <laughs> Who the fuck didn't... <laughs> I don't know. People were just... You know. But I, I like this movie. It was. It's, I love this movie. It's probably like I don't go back to the Nightmare on Elm Street movies all that often. But they're definitely like I like them more than the Halloween movies, <laughs> just not as much as the Friday the Thirteenth movies. If that makes sense to you. Yeah. But uh, you know, I like them for their. Yes, they're more artistic, because you know you kind of need to be if you're dealing with dreams and all that yeah. shit. But sometimes I just want to watch a guy wearing a hockey mask kill bitches. You know, so. <laughs> so, but. I like these movies. They're so, good shit. Yeah, some uh, interesting in facts alongside the thing. So the Blu-ray copy that I have with this is, comes along, alongside with a documentary. It's not the like six-hour-long Never Sleep Again documentary that can be watched, which is incredible, by the way. It's just on YouTube. Uh, it's more. It's a like forty-nine-minute documentary that came with the Blu-ray that covers like the making of the movie, which is how I know a lot of what I know about it. First and foremost, this script was written in a, in a space of six months. Yeah, you uh, got to writing it after. Uh, having made so having made enough money from Deadly Blessing and Swamp Thing to take six months off work, he basically just sat down and penned this. Uh, Freddie, the inspiration for the movie was a trio of articles written uh, in the LA newspaper regarding young young men having returned from relocation camps in Southeast Asia uh, during the time of Paul Pot dying in their sleep after extreme nightmares. Imagine getting killed by a dictator called Paul Pot. Let's not it take the piss out of that. It, it just was a sounds tragedy. Like, it just sounds like it just sounds like some fat gammon down the pub, you know. Let's All not right, take Paul the, Pot. Let's not take the piss out of that. Thousands died. Uh, so oh, yeah, it was a really good movie I made of it called The Killing Fields. But you know, yeah. but you know, so, I just can't go over the cunt's name. You one, know? the final of so there was a trio of articles, the final of which covered one young man who told his father that he thought something was after him and that if he falls asleep again, he was going to die. Eventually, I think his father like was trying desperately to get him to go to sleep and thought he was just going fucking delirious. After being awake for, I think, something like like a straight week, maybe even more than that, the guy eventually fell to sleep. Like, a couple of minutes later, his father heard screaming coming from his room, and by the time he went into his son's room, he was dead. Have you ever seen a picture of Paul Pot? Yes. He kind of looks like the puppet version of Kim Jong-un. For Let's uh... move on. No, I will make fun of a dictator because he's a cunt. I will make fun of him. <laughs> He's so. a prick. <laughs> I also read that um, when Craven wrote this, he had like fucking issues getting this anywhere. Yes. Um, so the only so newly, like he even extra, tried to give it to Sean S. Cunningham, who he made last he did, time he yes. left with, and even he was looking at it. Being he like, refused it all. all yeah. He shopped it around basically every major production house you can think of in Hollywood, and every single person said no, except from Bob Shea at New Line. What the, what the fuck, Cunningham? 
was thinking about this. Uh, what are we thinking about it now? Because he's just sitting there. He, like, now that he's turned down the one of the the biggest, certainly I mean, the biggest success of the time. I mean, to be fair, he does have all that Friday the Thirteenth money, but like, yeah, he's not exactly, yeah, he's not exactly skint, but like, but you have to think Friday like, the Thirteenth and this but you under have to your think, belt. Like, if he had like the what was his options? Yeah, the Nightmare on Elm Street and and, and what? <laughs> yeah, what was it? <laughs> what did he get? Deep, Why did he turn this down? <laughs> Deep Star Six. <laughs> what the fuck? What is he looking at? What did he? I don't even know what Sean S. Cunningham has done really after yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, apart from Deep Star Six. Aye. Well, so, yeah. with regards to Freddy himself, uh, Freddy the name was taken from one of Craven's childhood bullies. Yeah, Kruger. No, no, Freddy. Mm-hmm. Freddy was taken by one of his childhood. Kruger comes from his first film, Krug, and also the Germanic name can be cre- traced back to like post World War Two anti-Germanic sentiments. German means bad or German means scary, kind of thing, which is common in a lot of Hollywoodville. Ellen's from like the sixties. Even to today, you'll hear like the Germanic Germanic names Hans Gruber, Freddy Krueger, all this kind of stuff. And apparently, the sweater came from some hobo that was looking at him in his the window. S- yep, the sweater colours yeah. were selected after. No, the sweater colours were actually selected after West read an article stated that the two most difficult colours for the human to see eye to eye were red and green. He's also said it was because there was a the hobo hat in the room. Oh. came from the hobo oh. that just was essentially was just walking it. About out, out town. There's different versions of this story that he's told over the years. The one there's, I heard, the was one he was I heard was he was in his room staring out the window. There's another version of the story where he was just out in the garden playing. There's another one where he was walking home from school. He's told this story numerous times. Each one he is in a different location. The one thing that stays the same is there is a homeless gentleman who locked eyes with him and would not look away. He just kept a hard fucking stare at this I mean, wee he boy. Kept, he just kept getting followed by a homeless person. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> who knows. And lastly, the inspiration for Freddy Krueger's signature weapon, the claws, uh, it was his cat. <laughs> listen here, you little, listen here, you, other, little, you little bitch. I'm every like... other aspect of this character has like something, some kind of like dark or deeply meaningful connection to Wes Craven himself. And then the most signature, like the, arguably the most iconic thing of the character, I just looked at it and just went, you know what, Mr. Whiskers, you're fucking creepy. <laughs> that's it I love that one of the most iconic weapons in horror history was influenced by a wee cat <laughs> yeah, yeah. always knew Freddy Krueger was a pussy now <laughs> mm. yeah, well. I know it's an easy joke but <laughs> fuck it so, New, Line, New Line did have a horror movie out before this which I do want to cover at some point what was it? it's called it's not what you're thinking when I say this, but it's called Alone in the Dark. Um, oh yeah, it's got fuck all to do with the game series. Yeah, but it's uh, it was the first one they produced. Um, coincidentally, uh, directed by um, Jack Shoulder, who did um, Freddy, uh, Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's Revenge? Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Oh! Yeah. Oh! Yeah, so... I love that film. So there you go. <laughs> part 2's um, great. I'm not saying it's a lot not. Of pe- no, no, I, no, I'm like, a lot of people, a lot of people like in the... The kind of fandom skip part two. They tend to go for the trilogy, which is uh, not anymore. Which is one three and which is one three and new nightmare. More recently, part two has been having a bit of a mm. resurgence. Then you've got these weird bastards that go for uh, like three, four, and five. It's like a oh, fuck that. Four. <laughs> it's like all right, you fucking degenerates, <laughs> get out of here. Fuck that. It is, te- it is technically a trilogy, uh, but it's shite. But it's such a shit trilogy. <laughs> like if you're gonna if you. For me, you watch one, two. Joe you know else is a trilogy. Yeah. Fucking Fifty Shades, but I don't need to see all of them. They're the yeah, same fuck thing. That. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> it's just shit BDSM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so anyway, I could oh, I could rant about Fifty Shades for fucking no, it's ages. Not. I'm not watching those. It's it's so bad. <laughs> I've already seen them. I don't need to watch them again. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> shit. Uh, there, there was one Jamie Dornan's kind of funny though. Uh, but so yeah, <laughs> shall we move on? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Shall we begin? So the movie begins with the creation of Freddy's iconic glove and like a kind of picture-in-picture style sort of uh, aspect not, it's ratio. Not, it's, yeah, it's not a picture-in-picture, it's just... It's just, a, it's just a really small aspect ratio. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of, was picture-in-picture, picture, uh, with the title, a quick title card and we're instantly into it. And by quick title card, I mean like it's like two seconds, if even that. Maybe on Elmstream. And then we're it's like... <laughs> Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> don't, it's almost like a reassurance. Just like, don't worry, you bought the right ticket, and then we're moving on. <laughs> don't adjust your sets. Your screen is fine. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> just like, it's just an artistic vision. Yeah. <laughs> so we watch on as a young woman by the name of Tina runs through a wet corridor into what looks like a boiler room, while someone or something calls her name menacingly in the background. We can Tina's hear, also, uh, Tina. Tina's also running commando. Now, you creepy fucker. Well, I didn't actually notice. I only noticed that when I looked up the IMDb trivia, so somebody else is the creepy fucker. But, um... Well, lead with that then. But I do want Don't to... say it like a lecherous <laughs> little fuck. But I do want to question, because I, I had never thought of this until I read that. I was like, why is it called going commando? I don't know, why? I don't know. <laughs> oh, right, okay. I don't know. I was wondering if it was seen if you knew. I have no idea. Does do Is that what commandos do? I don't fucking is know. Is it because they're going in with no protection? So, and you're wearing shit with no protection, aka your underwear? I don't know. I don't but fucking know. Amanda Weiss, Tina here, she had yes. to um, audition to be Nancy. She did, yes. Um, obviously, she didn't get it, but you know. Yeah, instead, she was given the kind of the Janet Lee character of this movie. She also doesn't really talk about this movie much, so... No, she has yeah. in the she has in the documentary that I watched talking about yeah. it. Well, I guess she's warmed up on it since. But yeah, but uh, she carefully sneaks through the boiler room, trying to avoid whatever is chasing her. It finds her, and she is cornered. Uh, we see her running away from it, but the run is kind of weird. It's like she's running through water. Dream run again, kind of cluing us into what's happening. She screams, but when she opens her eyes, there's nothing there. Meh. Suddenly, a man in a striped sweater and a fedora jumps up from behind her. He goes to attack her with the bladed glove we saw at the start of the film. And then Tina wakes up. Mm, Freddy learned from the Blade 2 vampire school sneaking up on people. Just just crawling the floor. No, he's a dream demon. He teleports. Yeah. <laughs> you explicitly see him teleport later on in the movie. Yeah, I like to think he was just crawling on the floor. Like no, that. he does that in the third film, though. Does he? The fucking worm thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just like to picture Freddy crawling on the floor like a little degenerate. So he's just like, <laughs> 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 hey, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> <laughs> so Tina wakes up, her mum checks on her, notices that her nightgown has been slashed open in four distinct cuts. Come back to bed, baby. Her mum says, you got to cut your fingernails or you got to stop that kind of dreaming. Mm. Yeah. I nay bother hen, I'm just fucking stop dreaming. You're coming back to That's Redmond. fucking easy. I also, this like fucking scumbag or Ma's boyfriend comes in. We don't know he's a scumbag. He's he just, looks it. He could just be. He's a, a balding man and a wife beater in an 80s movie. Therefore, scumbag, right? That is. 
You can't argue that point with me, man. That is fucking code for scumbag. He could just be have. He could just be after a long day of working at the the fucking uh, what do you call it mechanics shop. And he's, Again, eighties movie scumbag. His shirt's in the wash because it's covered in oil. Eighties movie surprised. scumbag. And it's cold outside, so he's having 80s to. Eighties movie scumbag. So he's having to wear his fucking. Uh, we can't call it wife beater anymore. I don't know what they call him now. Um, it's just a vest, dude. It's just a fucking vest. It's just a wearing, white vest. He's wearing his wife beater vest. <laughs> Doesn't oh, mean he's beating his wife. Hold on a wife. second. You just said, we can't call it a wife beater anymore, so we need to call it the wife beater vest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you cause, fucking cause, idiot. Because wife beater's bad, but if you put a vest on the end of it, it's fine. Then it's sound, yeah. <laughs> say it all one word, wife beater vest. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> if you say it really quick, the censor doesn't know what you are saying. So what, you're what? I'm pretty sure he said something about domestic violence, <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> so it's, at this point, uh, Tina grabs a cru- crucifix off her bedroom wall, holds it to her chest, and then lies down. Can I just say as well the music? Yeah. When, when the music when she's like fucking running through this little boiler room. Oh, the music in this full film is fantastic. It's very playground. Like, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, I know, but it's very. It's just, I just yeah. clocked onto. It. We then cut oh. to some creepy girls playing jump rope and singing a song which would burn itself into the heads of a generation. Apparently, I don't know how true this is, but apparently the the words to this were. were um, bro. what's the term I'm looking for? Not invented, <laughs> but the words for this Written. were yeah, were, were came up with by um, oh, I can't remember exactly who it was if it was Heather Langkamp's boyfriend or uh, Amanda Weiss's boyfriend who was just visiting the set one day. There is that anecdotal like kind of thing of yeah, someone's one of the main actress's boyfriend came up with this. Yeah, there's no real corroboration to that. It's purely anecdotal, and very different reports will say it was either. Heather Lannenkamp's boyfriend at the time, or Amanda Weiss. Uh, some reports even say that Wes Craven wrote it in as the film's theme song originally, uh, but that one, was then changed. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the song, uh, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, get your crucifix. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight. Better stay up late. Nine, ten. Never sleep again. again. Oh. Here we have... Ohio, well, here we have California, pretending California, to be Ohio. California, pretending to be Ohio. Yeah, that's, that's no, just, I think it is California. It, it's just no, California. it's supposed to be Ohio. What the fuck? Yeah, it's so clearly California. Yeah, there's palm trees. You don't get palm trees in Ohio, motherfucker. But this seems to be a thing where like, Halloween's supposed to be in Illinois, and it's it's shot in California. Yeah. So why is it with uh, you know California trying to be the Midwest? I don't know. It's just trying to be better. <laughs> It's because California has be does, California doesn't have any good sports teams, so you know they're just trying to be the Midwest because that's where all the best ones are. Yeah. Mm. So the camera then pans across the road where Tina tells her friends Nancy and Glenn, played by Heather Langenkamp, and uh, in his first ever or role in a movie, Johnny Depp, in his uh, pre-alcoholic days. Yes, uh, <laughs> I do have a list of about uh, her nightmare. I do have a list of uh, actors that were apparently considered to be. Uh, Glenn's character. Glenn, yeah. Yeah, I'll just get them for Go you. Go ahead. Uh, I, I will also add that... Jude Law? Uh, <laughs> no. But I'll also add that um, this list has never really been confirmed. Yeah. But it's always like... Uh, these names were always brought up, apparently. Aye. So, uh, here we... So, this one is definitely confirmed. Yeah. Charlie Sheen. Yep. But he was... Uh, he wanted too much money, apparently. What the fuck was Charlie Sheen even doing at this point? Had he been in Platoon yet? I don't know. 84? Hmm. Don't think so. Mark Patton? 
Do you recognize that name? Yeah. Yeah, he plays Jesse in Friday Part 2. Yeah. Uh, but here's the list of people that has never really been confirmed, but, you know, it's, it's there. John Cusack. Okay. Brad Pitt. <laughs> Keith Sutherland. What the fuck? Nicholas Cage. That, that would have been amazing. Yeah, just imagine him getting pulled down. No! No! Ah! <laughs> Not the claws! Not the claws! <laughs> uh, and C. Thomas Howell, who was the... Um, he was an E.T. Ah, okay. He's right. also in The Amazing Spider-Man, apparently. Who the fuck yes. is he in The Amazing Spider-Man? He's just a guy. Was he? Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, Nancy, right? Um, Heather Lionkamp. Yeah, Heather Lionkamp. Who, uh, fun fact, I continues to work in horror on this day with uh, her husband, a special effects company. Uh, they done the special effects for our Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Creating uh, things like creating creatures such as the mermaid. Yeah. And uh, Sigourney Weaver's favourite creature in that movie, uh, the werewolf. Yeah. But Lion Camp, she was cast in this kind of as a favour because, like, um, what's her name? Uh, the casting person. Casting director. Yeah. Um, she had wanted Hell Lion Camp to be in two previous movies Night of the Comet, which is a very good movie, mm-hmm. and The Last Starfighter, which I haven't seen. Um, obviously, she didn't get those roles. But. Uh, so she got this one. Um, but uh, other names in consideration for the role of... Uh, Nancy. Nancy. Was Demi Moore. Okay, that would have been a very different movie. Courtney Cox. What the fuck? Somebody called Tracy Gold, who I don't really know. She was apparently in I the 80s. She was in Growing Pains, apparently. That's yeah. Sitcom. And uh, star of Dirty Dancing, <laughs> Jennifer <Fuck> Grey. <laughs> no way. No, oh, star of Dirty Dancing, fucking uh, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Patrick Swayze was going to play Nancy. <laughs> Nobody yeah. puts Freddie in the corner. <laughs> Nobody puts Nancy in the corner. <laughs> Why did you stick with Johnny, with fucking Johnny Cage? No. Uh, fucking Nicolas Cage there. I just picture Nicolas Cage in every movie. <laughs> it's a better world when you do. Also, uh, he hasn't really, be, he hasn't been introduced yet, but he's going to. Fucking, uh, so the guy that plays uh, Rod. Right? We're literally going to introduce him in a couple of minutes. All right, so, okay, well. okay. So tell us about the nightmare, saying that it reminded her of that old jump rope song. Uh, Nancy tells Tina that she had a nightmare last night too. Enter Rod, who says, I had a hard on when I woke up this morning, had your name all over it. To which Tina replies, my name's four letters. How the fuck is there room in your joint for four letters? <laughs> Well, Rod's played Great by reply. Rod's played by a guy called Nick Corey, right? But Nick yes. Corey is a stage name, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So his real name is Jesus Garcia, but you know it was the eighties. People were racist, so instead, so instead, As of, if I've, yeah, because everything's fucking fine now. Yeah, you get more Hispanic people in movies now with Hispanic names. He changed his name because it was because it was perceived as being too Hispanic, so yeah. he changes it to an Italian name. <laughs> Stop stealing our roles. And then plays and then plays a greaser in this yeah. film. Stop stealing our roles, Jesus! Come on, <laughs> you prick. Uh, That's fucking brilliant. I also have uh, another story about um, this guy, Nick Corey. Um, Go on. Later on, I'll bring it up in the scene. All right. Okay. So Nancy tries to reassure Tina, saying that everyone has bad dreams once in a while. Uh, Glenn tells her to simply tell herself she's dreaming next time it happens and she'll wake up instantly. Does Heather Langenkamp actually instantly. have like extremely blue eyes? Yes. Right, okay. Because I wasn't yeah, sure. There aren't my... contacts in this film. Those, yeah, those are real. Because <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure if she was wearing contacts or if my colour was just like right up there on my TV. No, 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 <laughs> I'm no. I'm looking at it I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ, uh, Heather Langenkamp, you would do well in the forefront. Jesus Christ. Fucking what? 
<laughs> you would do well in the forefront, Charlie. <laughs> You've not seen that. What's that from? Uh, the Djibouti dubs. Uh, oh, yeah. The job no, yeah, she yeah. You would do well that. in the forefront, Heather Langenkamp. Fuck me. Right. So it's at this point that I, point, I should point out. The film, again, I said earlier, but this film's soundtrack is fucking incredible. Who did uh, the music for this? Oh, fuck. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I did have it written down, but I deleted it because I've made, I've made, I broke the character limit taking notes for this movie. Let me just get the constant. Charles Bernstein. Yes, so... What the, else has he done? The soundtrack in this film done by Charles Bernstein, uh, Bernstein is fucking phenomenal. It all harken, it's all kind of based around that uh, nursery rhyme. The one, two, Freddy's coming for you. They take that melody and essentially just modulate it to fit uh, whatever happens to be going on in any given scene, at least for the ambient music. And then for the more kind of high energetic stings, they tend to go for a more kind of industrial sort of feel to emulate the... You know the look so of the boiler room. I'm just looking at this guy's credits, right? And yeah, fucking great well, soundtrack. What well, else yeah. did he do? Uh, <laughs> he's got there's a movie called The Man from Orgy, <laughs> like The okay. Man from Uncle. Okay. Um, but he did a uh, Cujo. Yes. And he does another, another soundtrack, another Craven movie that we'll get to eventually, uh, called Deadly Friend. Oh. Um, did a slasher movie that I want to cover at some point called April Fool's Day. Oh yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, uh, a Leprechaun ripoff called Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, a lot of his music for he did a mu- he did music for a ghost movie called The Entity as well. But apparently, a lot of his music from other movies has been used by Quentin Tarantino in his movies. Yeah. So like Kill Bill and all that shit. Um, oh yeah, he's all over Kill Bill. He did the sequel to he did the music for the sequel to Rosemary's Baby, but he didn't know there was one for that. I had no idea. Yeah. Came out in the seventies and it was a TV movie. I didn't even know there was a sequel to that. What the fuck? <laughs> it's called uh, "Look Was Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby." Did he grow a fucking tail? I don't know. Uh... That was his eyes. Remember? Yeah, I don't what know. What did you do to his eyes? They turned blue, <laughs> like the Nazis. What is it with you and the fucking that one mention of World War Two at the start of the episode, and all you can talk about is Nazis? Ooh, he did a he did a Charles Bronson movie called Mister Majestic. Oh fuck yeah! But right, so but we'll like his movies are like after Nightmare on Elm Street, he he doesn't really do a lot. <laughs> nah, not really. He didn't even do the sequels. Nah, he didn't. Mm. So uh, moving on, we then cut to that evening. Nancy and Glenn are both staying over at Tina's house that night while her parents are out of town. Uh, I should also say the writing in this is pretty fucking great. Uh, similarly to how uh, Carpenter writes his teenage characters, they actually feel like teenagers. To be fair, when Carpenter the shit. didn't write the teenagers' dialogue in Halloween, that was Deborah Hill. For, sorry, Deborah Hill, I should say, But yes. uh, I don't think anybody else wrote the script to this. I think it was just No, it was just Craven. Craven so he's just kind so, of... yeah, we, we see that again later on with his work in Scream, in that he is very... He, he can tends he to be very good at writing somewhat he didn't write natural that either. dialogue. That was, did he not write Scream? I thought he did. No, that was... What was his name? Kevin Williamson or... Oh, right, okay. Well, well, we'll talk about that more when we cover Scream, but yeah, yeah it's just... Scream was more of a... Yeah, Scream for... It was a director for hire job. Yeah, so it was Kevin Williamson who wrote Scream wow. 1 and 2. He didn't write the third one. I think he wrote the fourth didn't one. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, again, it's really great. And this, the fact that this dialogue is so grounded really helps to sell the sort of fantastical elements of the story that we'll feel later on because it gets us really grounded and, like, respecting these characters. Does. So when mental shit occurs later on, we're more inclined to extend our belief a little bit because we're not already being like, well, this is bullshit mm. with what these characters are saying. I'm staying at my cousin's house down at the airport. 
Yeah. Oh, this is fucking great. I just thought about something. I was saying, like, what the fuck was Charlie Sheen doing at this point? Because this is Johnny Depp's first movie, right? Yes. Charlie Sheen has not done Platoon yet because Johnny Depp is also in Platoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what the fuck is Charlie Sheen wanting tons of money for? Cocaine. Well, yes. But (laughs) what what is his leverage? (laughs) What had he been in before this? Just the fact that his dad was a big shot. Hmm. Hmm. So you're getting the Sheen name hmm. on the movie. You should have done what your brother did, Charlie. Just use the Estevez name. Yeah. I said the dialogue here is is great, and we get a great scene where Glenn is trying to convince his parents of that he's staying over in his cousin's place, who lives near an airport. He uses a tape provided by him by Rod, which basically just has like a bunch of like plane noises and whatnot. And apparently a gunfight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rod fucks him over by mixing in a massive well, mo- you, a massive crash as well as a gunfight. I don't no, know Because we, we established he... that Rod is a bit of a prankster with him like jumping out and scaring yeah, folk and all that. Yeah, but he says it's a sound effects tape, so he's probably just on there. Yeah. What the fuck is... Or Rod has mixed it himself but to be like a... what the fuck are people buying this for? They used to sell those, like, BBC sound effects tapes. Yeah, I know they used to do, like, a Halloween haunted house sounding ones, but who... There was Halloween ones, there was action ones, there was just generic ones that was filled with random sounds. But what are you using them for? I don't fucking know, they were just, they were sold and I wasn't alive when this shit was about. (sighs) Why are you asking me, like, I'm going to say and be like, oh, back when I was a boy, I used to sit and listen to plane crashes all day. (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me, I mean, you can do that now. You can, oh, listen yeah. to, you can listen to the playing black box recordings now. Ah, that's fucking terrifying. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Johnny Depp just starts playing one of those to his mum. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> We're going down! <laughs> I'm yelling, Timber! Right. Uh, so <laughs> uh, Tina tells Nancy that she keeps seeing that guy with the weird face and hearing his fingernails, which reminds Nancy about the guy in her dream. She says, I dreamt about a guy in a dirty red and green sweater and emulates the sound that his claws made, saying they were more like finger knives than fingernails. Yeah, And it makes the... Yeah, Tino, you fucking idiot. Finger knives. Fucking knives, you basic bitch. (laughs) And they hear something outside. Yes, they all hear... Some follow-up questions from Tina confirms that they were dreaming about the same person. Uh, the group hear a strange noise coming from outside and go have to ever, investigate with Glenn taking the lead. Have you ever had to like fucking investigate strange noises coming from outside the house? No, because I'm not fucking stupid. I lock my doors and I put my headphones on. Oh. Fuck that shit. Uh, right. when, I was, uh, <laughs> uh, when I was a teenager, we lived in... Uh, it was kind of, I lived in Irvine, but the housing estate I lived in was kind of on the outskirts of it. So like, if you went behind my fence, you would just be on a field and a, and a road that led out of the town. So like, yeah. there's nothing out there pretty much. So we used to get a lot of break-ins by the fucking, um, what do you call them? What's the correct term for them now? Travellers. Or yeah. Romani, uh, Roman, well, no, they, they weren't, ro- they Roman weren't Romani. Uh, they, they were, were the other ones. Yeah. yeah, we used to get frequent break-ins in the neighbourhood by those people. So like, I remember one yeah. time my parents were away somewhere, so I was looking after the house with friend of the show, actually. And, um, friend of the show, Alice. Hell yeah. And um, we were... Yeah, we were drinking or something, but we heard this loud like crack, yeah, coming from like the kitchen, like the back of the house. So we were wandering through there with like a fucking Michael Myers knife, <laughs> you know, just trying. Just to, call like, it a kitchen knife. That's what it is. Yeah, but it looks like the Michael Myers knife is the big yeah, one. It's a kitchen knife. Yeah, I'm just saying, but it just looks like it. <laughs> but you know, I don't actually know what that loud crack was. Um, we never did find out what it was. Your dog farted. But, no, the dogs were with us. It was very strange. Yeah. 
Uh, we the also, bug farted and is also a ventriloquist. <laughs> we also heard weird noises at friend of the show's Alice house, Alice's house once. And we went. I but that house was fucking haunted. We went searching through the house. <laughs> this haunted house. Yeah. It was. It was terrifying. Awful. We didn't get killed by Freddy Krueger. Fantastic. Mm. So they hear the strange noise outside, and Glenn takes the lead and is jumped by none other than Rod. Judged him. He quickly realizes that Tina's his mum isn't home, and promptly takes her upstairs. Yeah, he's like, we're gonna, we're gonna, her mother's bed, and you get the sofa. He's like, who fucks in their mum's bed? That's... Teenagers. I never fucked my mum's bed. It was kind of... Yeah, me neither. I'm sitting there like, why would you do that? It's fucking creepy. <laughs> Just fuck in your own bed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I had, a, I had somebody, I had, a, so, I had a roommate fucking my bed once, so I got back at them by uh, stealing their tobacco and putting the tap to it. So, you know. And putting the what? Putting it under the tap. Oh, right, like running it underwater, okay. Yeah, and then putting it back in their bag because it was raining outside. I just wanted to make them think that their bag was fucked. And it fucked their tobacco. I also stole their weed. (laughs) So if you're hearing this, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? It's just, it's the wee tag on at the end. I'm just like, I also stole their weed. I smoked it. It was great. It was... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so, go fuck yourself. So, moving on. Uh, Glenn then tries it on with Nancy, but she turns him down saying, we're here for Tina, not ourselves. Morality sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does say that. I just was like, oh, morality sucks. And Johnny Depp took that with him for the rest of his life. And his career. Yeah. Uh, cut to later that night, Rod and Tina lie in bed together and agree to have no more fights. Rod then says, good, no more nightmares for either one of us then. Cluing us in that Rod has been struggling with this shit too. Meanwhile, Nancy is sleeping in Tina's room where the crucifix falls off of her wall. <laughs> fucking genius. Back with... <laughs> <laughs> pointing that! <laughs> fucking pointing that! <laughs> for you of all people! <laughs> I'm just pointing out what they are. <laughs> They're not though! They're American! American Catholics... Uh... My opinion is a fucking Irish Catholic. I, I, who's to say that uh, Tina doesn't have an Irish surname like McMurphy or some shit? Hmm? First off, McMurphy. What yes. the fuck? Yes. Uh, not a real name. Uh, Fine. <laughs> Tina O'Flanagan. <laughs> Does Tina actually have a surname? I'm going to grass you into the ra. <laughs> They'll probably take me. <laughs> what's, what, is, what, is, what is Tina's surname? Does she have a surname? Can't remember. Oh, she does. It's grey. <laughs> that doesn't help us in the slightest, does it? That could go either oh, way. That could, could be anything. Hmm. Could be fucking Cuban for all we know. So. <laughs> Tina Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> so, back with Tina and Rod. Tina is woken up by the sound of pebbles hitting the bedroom window and that same strange voice from earlier saying her name. I mean, you now, when, you, when somebody's throwing pebbles at your windows, like, sure, it could be, like, a fucking nice thing. It's like, hey, how you doing? Come outside. But when your boyfriend's sitting next to you... Right, and you can't see who's throwing pebbles at you, probably don't go outside. And one of the pebbles also cracks the fucking window. It doesn't just crack the window. It gets it stuck in the window. It sticks <laughs> yeah. in the glass. Yeah, don't go outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, within cue, one of this film's most iconic shots is the strange dream figure seemingly emerges from the wall behind Nancy but retreats when she wakes up and looks at the wall and then hangs the crucifix back up on it. This is what I was talking about. It's amazing what you can do with $50,000 and a bunch of latex. Uh, Wrong. 
canvas or whatever the fuck it was. Spandex. Yeah. Which was a brand new material at the time. Soon to be populated, soon to be used. Uh, I don't know, spandex, the fucking wrestling people always used it, so. Yeah, they always used that shit. 84, according to this doc, the documentary regarding this film, it was fairly new at the time. Oh, I don't know. Hmm, maybe. Yeah, 1984. Yeah, on WWE Network, you can see more in spandex in the 50s, so I don't know. Is it actually, is it spandex or is it just a fucking different, is it like lycra that they're wearing? <laughs> it's different materials. I'm not exactly asking these 1950s wrestlers. Yeah, <laughs> so, but yeah, so, they used, so essentially the way it was done was they basically took a canvas, took off the actual like canvas material, love it, Flung a sheet of spandex over it and just had Robert England in full makeup and costume just press his face wasn't against Robert, the... it. Wasn't Robert England either? It was a special effects guy. Oh yeah, so they have the special effects guy just <laughs> press the face up against it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you look at the remake, it looks really good. If you look at the remake, it looks like shit. So oh, yeah, the remake's fucking terrible. We are not covering that. Eventually, uh, eventually we'll have to. But fuck that shit. Uh, I'd say although. I would say that this next section with Tina is my favourite bit of the film, but fucking hell, nearly every bit of this film is my favourite bit, so we'll just move on. Uh, Tina walks out of the house following the voice calling her name into an alleyway behind her house. This is her first really good look at the dream person's face, and fuck me, it ain't pretty. Uh, we see like these big burn marks with like pox and like exposed muscle in his like jawline and forehead. Mm. Whenever he talks, you can see like the muscles moving throughout. I do like how in this movie they don't really do it in the other ones, but in this movie he's kind of kept in shadow a lot. So. He has kept in shadow a lot. He's also like got like kind of KY jelly all over his face, so he's shiny as well and slick. So you know he fucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> he's oh, like. I got a thing for Freddy though. So obviously he's played by Robert England. You know who was originally cast? Who? And actually shot like a couple of things. Go ahead. David Warner. Oh, okay. Fucking guy from our least favorite segment of uh, Body Bags. Yeah. Hair. <laughs> Weird. He's also in a. He was also in yeah. that other movie that um, Mouth of Madness. Yes. Uh, now introducing everyone's favorite at Toy of the Summer, Stretch Arms Freddy. Uh, now <laughs> I will say I like this movie a lot, but there's two bits in this one scene that I just find very goofy. And make the me stretch laugh. arms. The stretch arms, and when he actually starts running after Tina, because he's running like <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that run is dumb as fuck. But <laughs> I, I like the goofy run though, because it's like you can tell Robert's having a fucking blast playing this character. Oh, yeah, but you know, and it does kind of fit the character of Freddy to be like a, a bit of a goofy bastard when he's after, because he has like this mm. sadistic motherfucker. I know, but it's just like when so you it's just like this, the joy of doing it. But uh, this. You just got him doing this goofy run, but then like the music's like dead serious. Yeah, <laughs> and she plays because he's got knives. I know, but and then the music plays it off dead serious. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, it's... and it's great. But the see his arms stretch out to either side of the alleyway, and this knives start to carve up, up and scratch against the metal, hearing that big screeching noise with sparks flying all over there, oh, God. causing Tina to goes, "Please, God, this is God. This <laughs> is God. God. That's a glove." Uh, fun fact for how they've done Freddy's voice in this movie uh, Robert England would record of them speaking in, like rough speaking faster than they normally would they were then slowed down in post hmm. which would give it that kind of bass so when he was actually saying the line he would be like this is God and then comment, you get this is God hmm. which creates that effect yeah they do that in death metal quite a lot 
Yeah. Deus, I'd like to... Well, I don't know if that's how exactly I would do it. They do it like... Um, you record his vocals like two or three times. Sometimes, like, you know, some are higher than others. Now, you know? These days, now you can just pitch sif stuff without having to affect the speed. But at that point, the only way to really pitch sif was to also speed it, slow it down. Mm. I'm pretty sure the guy from Bayside so, does yeah. it. Like, he records his vocals like two or three times, three or four times, and then they just, you know, each one being slightly lower or higher, and then, then it just makes him sound like a fucking demon <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. so Tina tries to run away from Freddy but his supernatural abilities keep her from getting away as he teleports all over the place including one particularly memorable moment where he jumps out from behind a very thin tree Wee. and then cuts <laughs> off two of his fingers to intimidate her says hey watch this and he cuts off his ring finger and his pinky in one swoop yeah, and then just the blood just spurts out and he's looking at the hand with this big fucking smile on his face it's funny though because apparently there was, that was a goof because the, the, the liquid didn't come out straight away so he's just kind of looking at it like yeah he's looking at it like did, that, did it work did it work fuck fuck squirt there it is thanks fuck Tina and Freddy then grapple and fall to the ground Tina tries to grab at Freddy's face and pulls off the skin to reveal his exposed skull <laughs> with Freddy <laughs> laughing at her that laugh kind of sounds like the fucking um, Call of Duty Zombies laugh. It does, yeah. 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 But do you know what that laugh is actually from? What? Back to the Future 2. Really? Mm-hmm. You, yeah, it's when uh, Marty's trying to like uh, get away from future... What, the Freddy laugh is from... The Freddy laugh is from no, Back the, to the, the Future. Co- the Back to the Future 1 came out no, the next I'm, year. I didn't say the Freddy the laugh. The laugh. The cod no, laugh. No, yeah. The cod laugh is from Back to the Future 2. It's when uh, Marty's uh, trying to use his hoverboard on the pond. And what's his name? Griff. It's like yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly what he says, but one of the henchmen, you can't go to war without turbo. Yeah, one of the henchmen behind him starts laughing. It's, yeah, uh, it's that laugh. <laughs> so we then cut to Rod, who's still in bed with a now shaking and writhing Tina. Four deep cups open up, seemingly on their own, and Tina floats above the bed and spins in the spot, knocking out out Rod. She's then dragged up the wall and onto the ceiling by an unseen force, while screaming out. For Rod, she eventually falls from the ceiling and lands in the bed, splattering blood all over his face. And Rod screams out, Who did this? I'll kill you! I don't know, mate. You're not that intimidating wearing those tighty whities Yeah. This scene was originally <laughs> much longer. We originally would see... In the original cut for this film, Tina's body... We see Tina's body impact the bed and bounce off and fall to the side. And the actual film, it cuts right at the point of impact and all we see is the blood splattering on Rod. Honestly, I think the cut makes it a bit better. It makes it more effective. It's the one time where censorship, act, and well, one of very few times in my opinion, that censorship really helped a movie. So Nancy, I just, and Glenn, I just find the image of Rod, you know, jumping out the fucking window, just wearing fucking tighty whities and his socks, just kind of funny. Yeah. So Nancy, <laughs> so we're getting ahead of ourselves with yeah. that. So Nancy and Glenn hear all of this happening and break into the room to discover Tina's body and an open window. Looks like Rod's bolted. And as you said, the idea of him just, and his tighty white, he's just fucking taking a head, just taking a head out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like a solid 20 years before this happened, but just, Leroy! 
Yeah, and then uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, this is another this is another point where I'll say there's a lot of like fade to black in this movie. That is a lot, yeah. So it makes it feel like a TV show sometimes. So like uh, it does. So at this point, there's one, and then you see John Saxon and his cop buddy. Yeah, but, time for but, John motherfucking Saxon. But then, but if this was a TV show, her uh, them discovering like the open window and the room covered in blood. That's where that's where that's it was cut out. Cut and then the, adverts, then yeah. the Law and Order theme song comes on. And then John Saxon and his partner just walking around like, what the hell was she doing there? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, boss. <laughs> Uh, so John Saxon was this movie's ringer he was brought in to put bums on seats basically and to sell it to investors yeah John Saxon we don't really talk about him that much because it's the only thing we've seen him in so far but like he's in a bunch of um... he was a heartthrob back in his day he was in a lot of uh, sort oh, yeah, of romance but, like, films but, but like horror wise he's in a bunch of um, Italian giallo type movies yes uh, so one cop fills John Saxon in on what happened at Tina's house before they walk to his office where Nancy sits with her mother uh, a picture on the desk tells us that John Saxon's character is likely her father Nancy then confirms this by turning to him and calling him dad and her mother and father have a brief exchange there is, there Donald is a, there is a line though Marge kind of funny. there is a line though that's kind of funny when yeah. um, John Saxon I don't want to keep calling John Saxon what's his character's name Donald Donald is talking to his uh, deputy and he's like yes what the hell was she doing there? He's like, oh, she lives there. My daughter, you idiot. <laughs> My daughter, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Wes Craven and bumbling cops seems to be a yeah, it seems to be a thing. Yeah. So it looks like Nancy's parents aren't too fond of each other as they have quite a cold exchange between the two. They're uh, a drunk. Yeah. You know, Donald tells off Nancy for staying at the house with a lunatic delinquent like Rod. Uh, she tries to defend Rod before telling her parents that Tina dreamed about this happening, explaining that that's why they were at her house to begin with. She just wanted someone to keep her safe, to stay with her. The next morning, Nancy's his mother pours herself a good old glass of morning gin. Is it gin? It is gin, what, it is says it, it on the bottle. Is it? Okay, because I was looking at the bottle and I couldn't make that out, so I'm sitting there and I was like, well, it's, it's a clear liquid. It says so, gin on the on the bottle. All right, well, I couldn't see that, so I'm just sitting there going, yeah, well, there's a clear liquid. It can either be gin, vodka, or, in my mind, because I picture her, her mum as being somewhat of a... I mean, she's not, but somewhat of a fancy woman, you know? Could be a bottle of peach snaps. No. And the bottle <laughs> did look kind of floral, so I was like, ah. Peach, yeah, it's gin. Peach snaps, yeah. Gin floral snaps. also goes with gin, but yeah. yeah. Gin, gin, yeah. Uh, has a f- infamous nickname of Mother's Ruin. <laughs> which is why it was which is why it was selected for this movie well she's ruined yeah. <laughs> although there, there I mean if you look into it there is a bit of uh, um, you know later on in the movie it was cut out but like uh, if you notice all the kids in this are all like fucking only children like only you know yeah, they're yeah. the only child in their families uh, it was cut out but um, apparently each of them did have an older sibling which was killed, who was killed yeah, by Freddy. Yeah, so that, that's more, you know, I mean, obviously the kids, the, the kids' parents killed Freddy, but that was going to be their ultimate motive of it. It was like, oh, yeah. they killed our kids, but they cut that out, so there you go. Aye. So Mother's Ruined, she's an alky because so, her kid died. Yes, so. so pours herself a glass of gin while a report on the TV confirms that there is now an active manhunt for Rod Lane. <laughs> uh, Nancy comes downstairs and her mum turns off the TV and after a short discussion, Nancy heads off to school. Once again, the soundtrack kicks ass, uh, creating this kind of sense of unease uh, while she's on her way to school. Nancy is then jumped by Rod, who says he's not going to hurt her. Nancy asks, did you do it? He replies, I never even touched her. Rod, you smell like... Bro, you fucked her. Uh, so... (laughs) 
You did more in touch her. You, you did more than touch her, brother. Rod, you, you, smell, <laughs> Rod, you smell like blood, sweat, and semen. Yeah, I think you did more than just touch her, yeah. Brad. Come on. So then out pops none other than Nancy's da, who points his gun at Rod and tells him to back up. Rod bolts, and Nancy jumps in front of her father's gun to protect him. Have you seen? Did you notice Rod's run? Kind of goofy. Very Steven Seagal. Yeah. Uh, Very Steven Seagal. Is... Steven Seagal was holding in a shite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the escape is short-lived, however, as he's quickly picked up by the police. At school, we get a brief lecture What on... the hell are you going to school for, anyway? Uh, Education's important, father. Yeah. <laughs> At school, we get a brief lecture on Shakespeare from Lynn Shea, sister of the executive producer and founder of New Line, Bob Shea, who uh, would later is... find fame in... In the Insidious and movies. The insidious movies. Yeah, she's the only reason those movies are still going. Fucking end them. Those movies aren't <laughs> yeah. going to end until Lynch dies. Jesus Christ. Probably, yeah. Uh, so the teacher calls up a random student to read an excerpt from Julius Caesar. Oh, God, if this didn't take me back to fucking school when you're in English class. and Yeah, to asked read, to read a bit, yeah. People being asked to read shit and they can't even read it. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It was so, well, they can't read aloud, so it's just monotone. I went into the... The the cupboard to <laughs> it's like when you're asked to read Shakespeare and shit it's fucking I was good at that uh, fuck you I was alright uh, as well but you, know, but you know but there was other people in the class that wasn't <laughs> yeah they just read everything in monotone I go into and the... it just it pushed you so Nancy here so and you, always had, point... you always had at least like one or two kids that would actually like fucking put their all into that shit like they were acting on stage right yeah that was me <laughs> alright well and then so you, so like uh, you know because it's Shakespeare you know one person's reading some person's lines some person's reading some kid is reading this other person's yeah. lines so you know you'd have your kid being like thou shalt not do that all that all this shit and then somebody else being like but I want to do all this villain thou hast undone our mother and then you just get villain I have done thy mother <laughs> oh such such stage presence <laughs> Genuine Shakespearean quote, by the way, for you. Uh, Shakespeare made a your mum joke. It's fucking glorious. Such stage presence, oh my god. Such gravitas. <laughs> bet, to go bet up on stage, to go up on stage in the globe and just go, your ma! I bet fucking Miss Fulton was just dying inside. Oh. I mean, she always was. I used to just constantly. I, every time I called her by her first name, she was dying inside. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you saw those videos of American kids doing that and the teachers freaked the fuck out. <laughs> uh, well, she did it accidentally. Like, she told us her name accidentally, so I just kept calling mm. it. So. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, in the classroom, Nina begins to hear... Nina? Te- Nancy hears... Te- right. Tekken's own Nina. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> in the classroom, Nancy hears Tina calling her name. Tina. Nancy. Ah, she fuck you. Now you fucked it. It's because you say Tina as well. Yeah. At some point. Uh, no, Freddie says Tina. Yeah. Uh, she then looks out of the hall and sees Tina standing in a translucent body bag. Yep, that's just Apparently, cool. this is this was the worst part of the film for uh oh fuck, what's the actress's name again? Tina. Uh Amanda White. Yeah. This was the worst part of the film for Amanda White Ice because apparently just the the sensation of being in a body bag freaked her the fuck out. She's also naked in a clear body bag, it's gonna be kind yeah. of weird. <laughs> Uh, she looks back to the guy reading and his voice lowers to a whisper before she gets up to walk out to the hall. Tina's gone, and so she investigates. Is that an Edgar Allan Poe quote? No, it's directly from the play he's reading from. It's oh. Julius Caesar. Yeah, I haven't read Julius Caesar. Yeah. So we see the bag being dragged across the floor by an unseen force, leaving a trail of blood behind it. 
Nancy runs into and knocks over Alassian Pigtails wearing a much cleaner version of Freddy's red and green sweater. Mm. We get the exchange, where's your pass? Screw, Screw your, your pass! Screw your pass! Nancy continues to chase after Tina when the last Alassie speaks up again, although this time it's Freddy's voice we hear. There's blood down her face and now she's wearing the glove. Did we have no any- running in the hallway. Did we have hall monitors? No, we didn't. Hall monitors work. Oh, this is right. This is kind of going. They tent. just they just wander the I halls, know, know, and if someone's walking them, they go. Do you have a pass? And they, the guy say, and if the person says no, then they just go. No, I don't mean like that. Fucking slap I don't them. mean what is their fucking responsibilities. I know what their responsibilities are, but what I mean is like, um, like, do they not need to learn too? Are they not students too? It's like it's like whenever I like, watch right. like it's like whenever I my watch assumption movies. was always it was whoever's on. Like, do you remember when? Uh, we used to have like free. Well, oh no, you no, because I, I left. left. So basically, I always assumed it was like people that had like free periods right, would okay. go on and do that shit. And what's study hall? What is that? What's the because you always hear the American. That's school. what happened to us. Uh, so uh, our school got we got free periods taken away from us because uh, we were playing poker uh, in the school lunchroom with real money. Uh, no, with like just crisps and various <laughs> stuff. Stuff, but uh, and in one memorable occasion, uh, slaps. Mm. <laughs> uh, which, uh, was this, which, by the way, I was playing this, right? And I was doing quite fucking well, right? Uh, until this one, the guy we were playing with, this fucking massive guy called Goddeep. Uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> when he was playing dodgeball, man. Yeah. If you're on the opposite team from him, you're going to fucking won, die. He won the hand and just, he, he won that hand and just about took mine off. Like, because the thing was, you would slap them across the back of the hand, right? This guy wound up, I swear to fuck, right, when he hit my hand, it was like fucking thunder. He's like a, he's got like, like, he broke bones, I'm sure, like, holy fuck. He had fucking farmer strength, man, that guy was fucking Oh no, he was, he was built like fuck, man. You wouldn't have it to look at him, right, but he was built like fuck. He was that skinny jacked. Aye, that one where he like, he looks just like a normal guy and then he tenses and all of a sudden you're looking at fucking Bane. Yeah, when you're, when you're on the opposite team from him in fucking dodgeball and you're throwing the ball at you, you're like flashed you by your eyes. Oh like. yeah, when the ball cracked off the wall, the whole building shook. Like, hit, 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 um, he threw the ball, it hit me in the thigh, I couldn't feel my fucking leg for the full day. But <laughs> you're like, in a uh, wheelchair. <laughs> but no, but like, I always wonder this sort of shit with like hall monitors and shit. Like if I'm watching a movie that's set in like a boot camp or some stuff, you've always got yeah. this, you've always got these soldiers that are assigned to like patrol the hallways at night. When do they sleep? Do they get the morning off? What, yeah. what the fuck do they do? <laughs> it's called the night shift. Yeah. Aye. So... Oh, Nancy continues to follow the trail of blood, eventually finding herself in the boiler room that we saw Tina getting chased through at the start of the film. I wish our school had a boiler room. What? I wish our school had a boiler room. Once. It did, we just weren't allowed in it. Where was it? Because if I... If, if... We're a bit where the Jannies were. Okay. Jannies meaning janitors, by the way. Because my, my, my theory is out the window then. Do you remember there was a stairway in uh, the RE department It also led up to geography, right? And yeah. in this... Um, on the ground floor of the stairwell Aye. didn't lead to any classrooms or anything it literally just led to a locked to door. A door yeah yeah i thought that was the boiler room but i guess no nah, no nah, i think that was like it wasn't a server room that was up by computing was it just a storeroom it was just a storeroom yeah <laughs> all right okay right so freddie emerges through the shadows lifts his jumper and uses his gloves to cut himself open yellow green pus and maggots pour out from the wound he just listens to my chemical romance yeah yeah. <laughs> he then chases after Nancy. That's a fucked joke. <laughs> he then chases after Nancy. He goes on Newgrounds to play the emo game. Yeah. She, much like Tina, is cornered by Freddy. Uh, fun fact: This is actually the first time we hear Freddy's name in the film. Just over half an hour into the movie, he says, "Come to Freddy." 
Yeah, it's weird though, because like he only calls himself Freddy like once. Yeah. Every other time, they're like Fred Krueger. Fred Krueger, yeah. Or Nancy calls him Freddy mm. as well. But yeah, uh, Nancy manages to wake herself up by burning her arm on a nearby pipe. She wakes up screaming in the classroom. <laughs> the teacher tries to comfort her, but Nancy refuses her help, walks out of the school, and starts crying. Get away from me! At the moment, failed actress Lynn Shay. Ah! <laughs> uh, uh, she then notices the burn mark on her arm still there from her dream. You ever fallen asleep in school? Oh, multiple times. I used to fall asleep in maths class all the time. Same! Mm-hmm. I had a teacher throw a pencil at me. Uh, I had a te- my teacher's uh, weapon of choice uh, was, a te- was a big fuck-off textbook that she just dropped on the table, like, next to my head. So when it hit the table, it made this massive fuck-off bang noise and woke me up, and mm-hmm. I just about shit myself. Uh, it was, I was in, like... The, the in hindsight, thing. it was very funny. At the time, traumatising. I was in the troubled <laughs> child maths class. <laughs> so, like, um, so the teachers didn't really care if you fell asleep, but this one guy, he, he threw a pencil at me, but like, I thought it was funny. But then, like, on the last yeah. day of terror, he actually asked me, he was like, did you actually, did you actually fall asleep in this class? I was like, yeah. And he just kind of looked at me. I thought he was going to give me shit. But he just looked at me and was like, ah, oh, classic. <laughs> there, was a guy in our, there was a guy in our year that we were quite pally with. He fell asleep in exam hall, but he fell asleep in such a way that his head was on the exam paper so the adjudicators couldn't remove it. <laughs> <laughs> so he woke up, finished the exam, and then fucked off. So, uh, we then cut to the jail where Nancy asks Rod about what happened to Tina. Here's my story about Rod in this scene. Okay. Nick Corey. You notice how Rod looks legitimately tired and not... Uh, yeah, not fake tired. Do you know why that is? Why? Heroin addict. Oh, no. <laughs> he, was cut, he was coming down. <laughs> that's that's a shame. Uh, he's clean now. He, he, got, oh. he got clean after this. He's still alive. Go on yourself, pal! He's still alive. He's in, a, he's in a pretty campy 80s vampire movie I want to do at some point called Vamp. Very creative title. With Grace Jones. <laughs> Oh so, fuck yeah! And and um, I want to say Ken Watanabe, but that's not him. That's the guy from Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, Sixteen Candles, Asian guy. I've never seen Sixteen Candles. Gremlins Two, Asian guy with the camera. Oh, that was him. Drawing a blank. <laughs> so, you see, cut to the jail when Nancy asks Rod about what happened to Tina. Rod maintains that someone was definitely in the room with them, even though he couldn't see them. He's under the covers with me. He tells Nancy about the cuts that Tina suffered, saying it's as if there were four razors. Rod goes on to tell Nancy about the nightmare he had the night before Tina died, saying there was this guy, he had knives for fingers. Back at Nancy's house, she sings to herself while in the bath. And this scene is iconic in every sense of the word, right down to Nancy's mother chapping in the door and saying, hey, don't fall asleep in there, with the glove coming up from underneath the waterline. Does this look familiar to you? Because you've seen this exact film, but this exact shot, but with a snake and deadly blessing. Uh-huh. Also, who the fuck drinks warm milk? Like heated up warm milk. Nancy, I, Nancy herself says that. Yes, I know, but it's it's such a trope. Like, but I've because never, it was a thing done. Because but I've right, never known anybody to drink it, so I'm like, who the fuck does this? <laughs> it was specifically in the eighties and seventies. Essentially, what it was was it would. It's like this mad psychological thing where it would just put you to sleep. Hmm. You ever had it? No. Hmm. Because I'm not a fucking psychopath. Yeah, it's like I maybe I can understand. I don't even drink milk all that often unless it's in a fucking cereal bowl. I don't drink milk all that often, but I can understand a cold glass of milk is sometimes refreshing, right? Lukewarm milk's terrible. Yes. Hot milk. milk. Is that good? (laughs) No, fuck that. I don't know. I might be tempted to try it now just to get back to you. (laughs) Yeah. Goodbye. 
Uh, so Nancy is dragged under the water by an unseen force. The bath appears to be incredibly deep, opening up to almost a swimming pool kind of thing. Yeah, they did uh, the, the way they achieved this effect was by basically filling a tank with water and then just covering it in tape to black it out. Yeah, and they put a fake bath on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, essentially they did what they... Um same thing they did in Trainspotting, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she manages to get out of the bath just before her mother picks the lock, lock in the bathroom door and breaks in to save her. Nancy then grabs some caffeine pills from the medicine cabinet, <laughs> usefully labelled as... Stay awake! Fast acting! <laughs> and you're, he's not shouting that for no reason, by the way. It's in big fuck-off block capitals. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll Stay see awake! It, we'll see it in the next Wes Craven movie as well. Wes Craven just likes to label things as direct as possible. What was it? Uh, super formula! Yes, super fuel! Uh, and uh, fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Fast acting! Stay awake! <laughs> it looks like a Yakult bottle as well. It does, yeah! <laughs> so, She's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat my gut to good bacteria and stay awake! Yeah. Ah! So uh, we then cut to Nancy in our bed watching Evil Dead. Fucking good choice, pal. It's uh, alright, yeah. I don't know if it's Evil Dead 1 or yeah, 2. I think it's the first one. I'm pretty sure it's the first one. When did the second one come out? I don't actually know. So, yeah, we're guessing it's the first one. Uh, and Sam Raimi actually gets a special thank you in the end credits of this movie. And technically, if you want to get technical about it, right? Go on. Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and the Evil Dead all, six, they are all... all exist in the same universe. <laughs> yes, because I th- it's in one of the Friday the 13th films. Jason connects goes to hell. Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, the Necronomicon appears in that film, as does Freddy's Glove at the very end. And there is also the comic series, Freddy's versus Jason versus Ash, in which it is revealed that Freddy Krueger is actually a rare form of deadite, as is... No, sorry, Freddy Krueger is basically a demon from that same kind of realm. And if uh, the comic and, writers had their way... And Hellraiser. Jason Voorhees is a uh, fucking deadite, yeah. And if the writers of Freddy vs. Jason had their way, they would have Pinhead exist in the same universe. Precisely. And if Kevin Smith had his way, they would have a Jane Silent Bob meet Pinhead movie. Um, Fuck Kevin Smith. Which, I, which, out of sheer morbid curiosity, I want to see. But that Fuck means, that! But if that happened, that means that Jane Silent... Like, the view askewiverse, if you will, uh, Hellraiser... Fucking Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and the Evil Dead five fucking franchises will exist in the same universe. That is insane to me. <laughs> it's insane. What's insane to me is you just said that you would watch a Kevin Smith movie. Isn't doesn't isn't there a comic book where Jason fights Leatherface as well? Yeah. Well, they don't actually. Well, they do fight, but it's like at the very end. At first, the family just straight up adopt Jason. Right, so, uh, so, <laughs> so like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre exists in the same universe as well? Uh, the comic is technically an Elseworlds story, it's not considered canon. Ah, whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> it's part of the, it's kind of part of the whole, like, uh, did you ever see the, the Rise of Leslie Vernon? No. No. Right, it's, right, are you familiar with it at all? Yes. Right, it's kind of like that canon, that I, it goes off that idea that there are like, right, you know, all based on killers. Yeah, okay. So it goes off of that idea that this in that comic, this is you know, the leather like the Leatherface and Jason and all that. But anyway, moving on. And so Nancy's in her bed watching Evil Dead. Glenn sneaks in through the window, and the two hang out. Uh, Nancy asks Glenn if he had any weird dreams and if he believes that people can dream of things that are going to happen to them. Finally, she asks, "Do you believe in the Boogeyman?" Glenn's answer to all of these questions is emphatic: "No." Uh, she <laughs> no, let's get let's fuck oh. fuck that and fuck you maybe. Uh, she asks, <laughs> uh, she come on. She asks Glenn to stand guard while she goes looking for someone. Cut to Nancy leaving her house in the dead of night. 
She walks through the street in her jammies, turning to ask Glenn if he's still watching. Glenn then pops out from behind a tree and confirms that he's there. Wearing jammies? She wearing jammies? Yeah, she's wearing jammies. Hmm. Uh, Nancy continues her search, eventually finding her way to the police station. She watches through the bars as Rod sleeps in his cell. So, going by this movie's dream logic, or at least my interpretation of this movie's dream logic, so, if you fall asleep in this town, you're going to dream about this town, so is that, and, and she sees Rod, right? So she's in Rod's dream too. So right, okay. So, so does this work like, you know, Spring, not, Springwood just has like a fucking... So, the action, no, not the case, right? So what happens, by the lore of this specific film, we're not getting into the later films, okay? Essentially what happens is from this point forward, Freddy has attached himself to Nancy and Nancy's dreams. Through Nancy going to see Rod in her dream creates a bridge that Freddy can use to then get into Rod through his dreams. So Rod is not dreaming at that moment. She goes to see Rod, that leads Freddy to him. Freddy then uses this later on in in a different scene to take out Rod. so that's the kind of logic is that he's essentially jumping from one person to another he starts out with Tina eventually kills her jumps over to Nancy Mm. she is he's doing what she's doing through Nancy's connection to Glenn and Rod he's able to jump across he's like a dream STD basically yeah Mm. (laughs) so anyway I was going to say sexually transmitted dream doesn't make sense that's just STD yeah sexually transmitted dream but yeah I was going to but they didn't fuck so yeah hmm so moving on uh, find a way to print. She watches through the bars as Rod sleeps in the cell and sees Freddy walk into the room, stepping through the bars like they're nothing. And then looks up to Nancy while taking hold of Rod's sheet. Nancy calls out to Glenn to no avail. She then sees Tina in her body bag once again, calling out her name before dissolving into a pile of like muck and ink and snakes. No, a fucking centipede crawls out of her mouth. Yeah. Uh, uh, the way they done that shot was at first they had real... Iltina stand in there and pushing out a fake, a fake centipede, then had a close-up of a doll with the real centipede colouring out of the mouth. Yeah. The centipede actually does make that noise. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's famous for it. Yeah, yeah he's called Jimmy. For he, later, yeah, he, later moved on, he later moved on to voice uh, Zoidberg mm, for Futurama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He became Billy West. <laughs> yeah. He grew up to be Billy West, yeah. the voice of the red M&M. <laughs> Fuck, I never knew that. Yeah, I knew the, the yellow one was J.K. Simmons, but I never knew yeah. the red one was Billy West. Yeah. <laughs> I really like Billy West as well. He's there one of my favourite voice actors. Well, there you go. He's great. I love how petty he was when he took on the role of Fry. Mm-hmm. Do you know the story behind that? Vaguely. He specifically used his... He, like, he got the role, and he, because of experience previously, having been recast like after like the show found its success... He specifically uses his own voice because it's a hell of a lot harder to mimic someone's natural voice than it is to mimic a character voice. Because like people can do like people can do impressions of Batman. It's a lot harder to do an impression of Kevin Conroy. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I know that Leela's voice actress, she's in Sons of Anarchy and all that shit. She's just using her own voice, but she's just pitching she is, herself. Yeah. She's just pitching herself a little bit higher. Yeah, pretty much. So. But yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah, that's why I done that. <laughs> So, here we go. Oh, uh, Freddy then jumps out at Nancy and gives chase. Uh, she try- tries to run into her home and run up the stairs, but her foot starts going through them, with each step taking on a kind of like bog-like consistency. So I have a bit for this. 
Uh, believe it on. Oh, can I? I tell my bit for this first. Is it who directed it? Yes. Yeah, that's what I was going. I'll go on and you do it. Yeah. So uh, Robert Shea, Bob Shea, directed this bit because. Uh, it was his dream. <laughs> so yes. Wes Craven's like, yo, bro, <laughs> you do uh, your bit. Do you know what the it was? A little was? Bit, it was a little bit more petty than that. Was it? Uh, Bob Shea was right and essentially being like, this film's never going to get made. And, and uh, fucking Craven originally just wanted to cut this section entirely because they were running low on time and money. Mm. Uh, to watch Bob was like, no, we need this scene. We need this scene. It's going to be great. Craven basically turned around and said, well, if you like it so much, direct it yourself. I'm going to fuck off and do my own thing. Also, and so he did. <laughs> no, I also don't know which bits, but Sean S. Cunningham also directed a couple bits in there. Yeah, he was brought in to direct quite a few, yeah. Um, uh, it was Sean S. Cunningham a, was brought in as a second AD. Yeah, it was, all, it was done as a bit of a favour because um, Craven did some uncredited directing in Friday the 13th. Yeah. So, I, 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 again, I don't know which bits in Friday the 13th he did or which bits Cunningham did here, but there you go. Um, the mix of, like, the fucking sludge. Yes depending on who you ask, is either oatmeal or mm-hmm. pancake mix. I'm thinking pancake mix, just looking at it. Yeah, but if you put, you know, a lot of oatmeal in there and put a lot of water, you just got porridge, you know, so. Yeah, true, it could be. But uh, Freddie breaks the small window in the front door and we see him holding up Tina's body to the window. She continues to call it's it It's not even her Nancy. body, it's just her face. It's yeah. like, it's she just continues to call skin it, mask. We hear Tina's voice saying, save me from, and then the, the face is brought down and Freddie pipes up and goes, Freddie! And mm. a fucking great scene. Nancy makes it to her room and finds Glenn fast asleep. She keeps repeating to herself, this is just a dream, this isn't real, it's just a dream, it isn't real. Freddy bursts through the mirror and tries to attack Nancy, who holds him off just long enough for her alarm to go off, waking her from a nightmare. She then slaps the shit out of Glenn for failing his guard duty. Glenn, you bastard! <laughs> you piece of shit! <laughs> what did you do? You fell asleep. You fell asleep after drinking a mega pint, you I'm cunt. Gonna, I'm going to say, <laughs> I, like, I like Heather Lang and Camp. But there's some of her acting in this, is it? Well, it was her first major film. I know, so I know, like, I know. But you have to give some, especially like, when leeway. she, especially when she's doing a scene with um, Renee Blakely, or whatever her name is, who plays her mum. Yeah. Because her mum, <laughs> I don't like her. It's it's very soap opera to me. Both their acting when they're together. Aye, because they kind of bounce off one another. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so she berates Glenn for failing his guard duty before ushering him out the room so her mum doesn't see him. We then cut to outside the police station. Glenn and Nancy rush to see Rod, and Rod Sell. Garcia. <laughs> and Rod Sell, we hear Freddy's laugh, and we see his bed sheets twist and begin to crawl up Rod's body, almost starting to take on the form of like a snake mm-hmm. as they go up. She fucking bullies back guy. upstairs. Nancy's father tells her off for being up this late, and the cell, the sheets begin to wrap around Rod's neck. Yeah. She fucking bullies Garcia. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the guy on the desk, this Garcia. guy Garcia. She just bullies fuck out of him until. And do you know what he says as well? He's like, "Look, I took the night shift to get some peace, man." Yeah. <laughs> I feel I sorry for this cunt. All right, yeah, yeah. He's just uh, fucking. She's, uh, you know, Nancy. Oh. He's just wanting an easy shift, and then comes Nancy screaming and shouting at him. Yeah, Nancy just bullies him the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> she does it all the time. Garcia, give me your last hot dog. So, so uh, Nancy asks her father to check on Rod. He gives in to her request and asks asks Garcia to get the keys for Rod's cell. He's sleeping he like a baby. Find them. He's sleeping like a baby. Rod's eyes open and he starts to panic. Realising what's happening, he shouts out for help as he tries to pull the sheets off himself. His body is dragged off the bed and the other end of the sheets wrapped around the top of the cell, making it look like he's hung himself. Ooh. The cops open the door and walk in alongside Nancy and Glenn just in time to see Rod take his last breath. 
with some weird like prosthetic on his neck as well to make it look like he's actually like he's actually yeah you can see like a rope mark yeah (laughs) it's kind of fucked at a glance it looks great but the longer you look at it the worse it looks Mm. that could be said for any sort of for any effect yeah we then cut to Rod's funeral his parents are exchanging a quite seriously accusatory look with Nancy's and this is how you know they're in California did you see the amount of palm trees in in Hollywood Forever Cemetery did you see the palm trees in the cemetery in Hollywood that is somehow in Ohio (laughs) aye fuck that (laughs) so after the funeral Nancy tells her father that the killer is still loose she describes the killer to to her father whose face becomes wrought with dread and recognition oh fuck her mum takes her to a sleep therapist oh wait for it wait for it no I, I know what you're I think I know what you're gonna say so she says, I don't see why you can't just give me a pill to keep me from dreaming Nancy says which is a fun little bit of foreshadowing to hypnosil hypnosil yeah. hypnoto uh, yeah she goes <laughs> go to so they go <laughs> so we go to the so we visit Dr. King, a direct reference to horror writer Stephen King, whose novel It was a direct inspiration for Freddy Krueger and his power set. Uh, one of the doctors, Dr. King, is played by none other than Charles Fleischer, who many of you will know as the voice of Roger Goddamn Rabbit. <laughs> Dr. Rabbit, why can't, I just, why can't you just give her a pill? Because it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to mention two other things in this. In the, in the office that the... Roger Rabbit and uh, Nancy's Alke mum are sitting in. Yes. Uh, I was distracted immensely by the poster that is sitting behind them. Go on. Did you see the poster? No, what was the poster? It was of a San Francisco tram with a bunch of kittens hanging out of it. I don't know why that distracted me so much, but it was amazing. (laughs) But it was amazing. Also, uh, I watched a Blu-ray copy of this, so did you. Yes. Did you (laughs) notice... It's the first time I've noticed this. Did you notice... Heather Langenkamp has a massive zit on her fucking like yeah. that's just covered up by makeup. But yeah. in this in this scene in the in the hospital, whoever's playing the nurse is either being a dick or Wes Craven was just kind of like you need to cover that up. Oh, yeah, they put the electrode the on, on the, the zit, zit yeah. <laughs> so you don't see shit. Also, why is one of these electrodes on her chin? I don't fucking know. What is that going? What is that going? What brain waves go down to your chin? The ones that do what? speech. Mm, the ones that see if you're grinding your teeth at night. Oh, it looks like you're on too much of the gear when you sleep. Oh. <laughs> the ones that tie your shoelaces for you when you do it, your tits in the garage. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Commonly known as the gurning neurons. <laughs> oh, the hurny gurney, man. Hey. Mm. We have big ol' zip. Uh, it's actually quite a shame. That is a shame, yeah. Because <laughs> it's such a fucking close-up. You probably can't see in, like, the DVD or, or fucking, like, VHS copies Oh, no, of you it, definitely right wouldn't, there. but, like, Ultra HD Blu-ray. Uh, you can see the fucking... <laughs> there's a fucking shadow under it, man. <laughs> <laughs> the cunt's paying rent. <laughs> I'm sorry, Howland Camp, you're great, but your face was fucked, right? <laughs> oh, come on, don't put it like that. Your forehead... That's a fucking disgusting way to put it. Your forehead was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> So they attach a bunch of wires to Nancy and put her to sleep. At first, all the readings appear normal until Nancy starts twitching the bed and the readings go haywire. Ah, she's in REM now. Michael Stipe's just running around. But that was <laughs> just a... Who the fuck's that? <laughs> this one goes out to the one I love. Oh, fuck off, Freddy! <laughs> Michael Stipe! <laughs> P. 
Peter Buck. Freddy just busts out a guitar and starts fucking playing it. Actually, it would have been more it's terrifying. It's the end of the world. It would, have been, it would have been more terrifying if Bill Berry, the drummer, oh, fuck was that. there. Because he's got a fucking monobro, so, you know. Terrifying. <laughs> ah, Bill Berry. <laughs> they get the Bill Berry, so the guy that replaced Bill Berry on drums in R.E.M. has a very eclectic list of bands if you look at what he's been oh in, yeah like, it's fucking mental it's, it was called Bill Reef when he's dead now but like he was in Ministry he was in Revolting Cox he was yeah. in Swans he was in R.E.M. and he drummed with Miley Cyrus yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, okay what the fuck cool <laughs> so yeah. Nancy he starts to scream and the doctor nurse and Nancy's mum all rush in to wake her up her mum notices she now has a streak of grey hair, very rogue-like. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that when I was, when I was watching And this. four yeah. scratch marks on her arm. Nancy then pulls a dirty brown fedora out from under the covers, saying, I brought something out from my dream. Her mum asks where she got it, to which she says, I just fucking tell you hen! But <laughs> she says, I grabbed it off his head. <laughs> Later that day, Nancy overhears her mother on the phone to her dad, telling him about the hat that Nancy pulled from her dream in a very worried tone. She tells her mother what she's learned, that Freddy killed Tina and Rod, and now he's after her. She interrogates her mum, asking her if she knows who Freddy is. Her mum avoids the question, and Nancy goes in for the kill. Saying, maybe I should just grab that bottle and veg out with you, eh? Avoid everything <laughs> that ever happened to me by just getting good and loaded. Her mum slaps her in the fucking face in response to that. You know, for being an alky, she doesn't look that bad. She's looking alright, you know. I mean, Alkies can look alright. I know. You I know, can hide it. I know, but usually they get a bit, you know, red faced and look a bit shite. Makeup, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, she does look a bit orange. <laughs> Makeup cover. Well, <laughs> that's got nothing to do with how she looks. That's, that's just. That's, that's, I go for her, her religious affiliation. That's, that's just because she plays the flute. But that's okay. Uh, she's in the Castle Milk Band, eh? <laughs> Ohio by way of Duke Street. But fucking. <laughs> One of these days we're going to get through an episode without saying something sectarian. And when that day happens, I'm going to leave. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the last episode. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. Yeah, if there, if there comes to be an if episode... If we can't take the piss out of the Fenians and the Huns, then who can we take the piss out of? If we get to an episode where it looks like we're not going to say anything about them, I'm just going to end it by just going like, uh, 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 fuck the prodies, mate. <laughs> fuck the Pope. <laughs> just end it. Uh, uh, Mon Jerry Adams, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Bobby Sands, he's dead. <laughs> Whenever I think of Bobby Sands, I just, I just think of when me and Alice were walking back to our flat, we're walking past the Hoops Bar. So like, Is that a Celtic pub? Yes, we're in a Celtic place. There's <laughs> no, a pub on, over there. Hold on a second. The Hoops Bar. Is that a Celtic pub? Right. We're in a Celtic place, Alice. There's a picture of Bobby Sands right there. <laughs> What's this? What's that on the wall? Graffiti? What does it say? <laughs> Ooh, uh, up the right, Alice. <laughs> Aye, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Oi. Nancy's mum. She doesn't really have it going on. She's an alky. Nancy's mum. She might piss the bed. on a program. She might piss the bed, you know, so. She definitely did. That's it. That sheet didn't he put, that sheet didn't they fucking douse the fire. She just pissed herself out. <laughs> so, go. <laughs> That's a fucking image and a half. So her mum slaps her in the face in response to that before telling her that Fred Krueger is dead so he can't possibly be after her. I can't remember. Uh, And she'll feel better if she sleeps. Nancy storms out of the house and heads straight to Glenn. 
after taking a walk through what is very clearly not fucking Ohio. They're in Venice, California. They're in fucking Venice. <laughs> Venice Beach. Yeah. They're on their way to fucking Venice Beach. Do you know how I know this is Venice, California? Because it's the fucking archway. It's over the, the canal. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the fucking show. Californication. <laughs> Fuck me, any closer to the mic and you'd have fucking heat butted the cunt. Set in... California. California. <laughs> California. Here we go! <laughs> do, you know drummer, do you know who's the drummer in that song? Flea. No, he's a bassist. Uh, whoever the cunt that looks like Will Ferrell is. Jason Schwartzman. What the fuck? He was the drummer of Phantom Planet. Mad. Anyway. Before his acting career took off. Did it take off? Or did they just start doing indie shit that people like? No, he's in a bunch of indie shit. He, he's, just because he's not in a bunch of Hollywood stuff, he's he's in a bunch of indie shit that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And then also Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah. But, so, yeah. moving swiftly on. So, Glenn admits to Nancy that he doesn't sleep anymore. Telling Nancy about the Balinese way of dreaming. Dream skills, he calls it, right? Mm. Nancy asks what they do if they dream of monsters and he replies they turn their back on it take away its energy and it disappears he then takes the book that Nancy is reading out of her hand and notices the cover booby traps and improvised anti-personnel devices yeah she's definitely at January 6th you know (laughs) (laughs) you know she was she was Uh, so (laughs) He asks why she's she reading it and she replies, I'm into survival. Exactly, she was storming the capital. <laughs> no, not what that is. I'm trying to say how this is a fucking great line, very empowering line uh, for Nancy as a character, properly like gives her a lot of agency in this movie. And you're just sitting there just going, yep, she's an insurrectionist. And <laughs> yeah, it gave her, it gave her, uh, it gave her the power to take back what she believed was right and uh, gave her the power to believe in herself and that the fact that they like... <laughs> Not going to go any further. They might, might get up to on a list. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nancy returns home to find bars on all the windows and the trestle has been torn I down. Liked, I liked her initial reaction to seeing the bars on the windows. Gross. Gross. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh. <laughs> uh, she, so Nancy confronts her mum about these bars, who is clearly very fucking drunk. Uh, she invites Nancy down to the cellar and tells her exactly who Fred Krueger was. A child murderer who got off a technicality. Yeah, this is where they would have. This is where she would have revealed that they had a. They had a another son, yeah, or another sibling. child, yeah. Uh, they said the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous, but somebody forgot to sign a search warrant in the right place, and Kruger was free just like that. <laughs> but this is something that does genuinely happen uh, all too often. Uh, files are lost, things are signed in the wrong places, and as a result, murderers and cunts go free how do you sign something in the wrong place do they just put the wrong name down <laughs> well I'm going to have to sign this instead J- of basically Einstein, and the easy way to do it is there'll be a bit for the signature of like the judge and there'll be a bit to sign for like whoever's logging the evidence and they've signed the judge's bit instead of the evidence bit I was just picturing somebody like just signing their name over and over again until they forgot what their name was and just put in like just put in me Dave <laughs> <laughs> She continues telling Nancy that the parents of the neighbourhood tracked him down to an old boiler room where he used to take his victims. What do they mean by just an old boiler room? I don't know. What is is it the boiler room for? This is one of the the weird bits where the remake actually kind of gets it right. 
where they actually have him like living like as like a school janitor or something just off the campus. But yeah. in this one, they just explain he's just living in a fucking boiler room. Well, don't I know it's not this movie, but don't they explain it in the second movie? He's like because he's hanging out in a factory or something. I can't remember. That's specific to the second movie and yeah. has nothing to do with this. Ah, uh, who knows? Uh, but. Uh, so they douse the place in gasoline and bunt the place to the ground with Freddy inside it. She so she then shows Nancy Freddy's glove as proof that she killed him. You ever saying, seen it's the... okay now, you can sleep. You ever seen the burning? We did the burning. We did the burning. Later that night, Nancy calls up Glenn and tells him about Freddy. She Glenn's asks, room here. Glenn's room here. Yes. Got a rush poster above his bed for the Grace Under Pressure album. Fuck yeah. Decent wee album. He's got a Duran Duran poster up in there. Fucking love it. And I'm not certain what this was, but it looked to me, and it's very odd if, it's, if this is correct, but he had a, the self-titled Deep Purple album poster up there, which is one of their 60s albums that nobody remembers. So, if that's there... Deep cut. Holy shit. Because <laughs> nobody remembers Mark 1 Deep Purple, you know? Yeah. The Rod Evans days. Aye, mad shit. So she asked Glenn for help attacking Kruger when she pulls him out of the dream. Like, Glenn refuses at first, thinking that Nancy is going fucking crazy. He's going down the Amber Heard route here. You're crazy. Yeah. Uh, you pooped Nancy, in my bed. I'm honestly surprised it took us this long to make an Amber Heard joke. Did we even make Amber Heard jokes when we did the ward? No, we deliberately avoided them. <laughs> okay. And I feel like we should avoid them here too. Yeah. But uh, Nancy lays out the plan, saying, I grab the guy in my dream, you see me struggling, so you wake me up, we both come... Oh, you whack the fucker and we got him. <laughs> Sound plan. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, no notes. Go on your cell, hen. Mm. Uh, she finishes the call with a warning. Don't fall asleep. Glenn puts on his headphones and lies in bed waiting for midnight. Meanwhile, Nancy pops caffeine pills. Stay awake! Fast acting. Nancy uh, snorts a few rails of cocaine. <laughs> and pops the caffeine pills like she's a game dev working at Blizzard. Back at Glenn's, he's woken up, up by his mum, who tells him to switch off the TV and go to bed as it's getting late. What was he saying? She then says, I don't understand how you can watch the TV while listening to... Your records. Uh, your records. How can you hear what's going... It's like she, he then says, oh, Miss Nude America's on later tonight. And she says, how are you going to hear what she's saying? Who says I'm going to be listening to what she's saying? Who cares what she has to say, mum? Yeah. <laughs> don't be such a smart ass. Don't be such a smart ass, Johnny. Slap. <laughs> It's like Miss Nude America. It did exist, but I don't know if it was on TV though. Yeah. Eh. At least, at least I don't know if Miss Nude America existed. I know that. Don't ask me how, because even I don't really know. I know that Miss Nude Canada existed. How? Okay, I know you said don't ask, but what? What the fuck? I'm pretty sure. How did you find that out? I'm pretty sure cult wrestler Vampiro, his sister, won it once. <laughs> again. And again and again I ask how do you know that shit I don't know I don't know I just do you astound me good sir I have a weird amount of knowledge that I, I'm not even sure how I know oh no well, yeah well there's a great David Mitchell quote about that it's like if I knew how I know everything I knew I would know half the stuff mm. so like mm. yeah so back in that Auntie's house, her mum reassures her that the nightmare is over and she should go to sleep. Uh, she then takes a coffee pot from her daughter's room and leaves. How the f- 
Nancy plans ahead, though, as she reaches under a bed and pulls out a whole-ass coffee machine and pours herself a cup. All right, Nancy's mum, I know you're fucking drunk, right? But how do you not smell that? How do you not hear that? (laughs) And how is your carpet not caught on fire yet? How? Two questions. uh, Three answers to that. Pished, pished, and and it was in the cab cabinet raised above the carpet so it wouldn't catch on fire. And it also wasn't plugged in. It was, though. There was a red Not when it's in the cabinet. When she lifts it out of the cabinet, she then plugs it oh. in and the red light comes on. Gross. <laughs> so she's just reheating old coffee. And also, have you not noticed that your other coffee machine is missing? <laughs> Maybe Nancy bought that one brand new with, like, pocket money or some shit. I don't know. They cost a fuck ton. Have you seen how much coffee makers cost? Yeah, I've got one. Yeah? Yeah, it cost me, like, 30 quid. Uh, I don't know. 30, 30 quid in American dollars at the time. That was a lot. Uh. Yeah. So, I wonder what Nancy does for a living. She then gets changed out of her pyjamas and looks out out her window to Glenn's house where Glenn's father stands on the porch staring at Nancy's window. So did uh, he see her taking her clothes off? Yeah, fucking creep. Uh, We then get a brief conversation between Glenn's mother and father where Glenn just outwardly says his his distaste for Nancy and what she's been doing to their sweet little boy. The mum's kind of defending her. Uh, The dad's just... The dad's just being a bit of a dick. I mean, what can you expect from a Coors drinker fucking pleb? In in fairness to them, right, let's run down what's happened so far, right? Yeah, I I know, I know. From the parents' perspective. Yeah. The, they're know. well within their rights to be like yeah you're not hanging out with that lass anymore <laughs> she hangs out with a girl who got she's murdered by a psycho mental. boyfriend now she's her mom's an alcoholic bad influence her mom's an alcoholic her dad's in the, her dad's like the chief of police or that's some fine, shit that's fine that's fine no so like he's never around so she hangs out with her alcoholic mum all day <laughs> uh, but yeah but back to my previous point she keeps dad's telling a, you not to sleep yeah but back to my previous point dad's a cunt he's a Coors drinker yeah I fuck him <laughs> Piss water, drinking prick. So, Nancy goes to leave her room, but is stopped when she sees her mum in the hallway retrieving a secret bottle of gin and taking a right good swig. Mm, Hiding your booze in the cupboard. Yeah, we had we had somebody in the flat do that. I never understood why, because we all drank. So, no point. (laughs) Uh, Nancy picks up the phone and calls Glenn, who's asleep in front of the TV. His mother picks up the phone at first, but his father then takes the phone and said, Glenn's asleep, you'll have to talk to him tomorrow, and just slams the phone on the receiver. you got to be firm with these kids. <laughs> I mean, honestly, fair play, big man. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? He just lifts the phone off the yeah, receiver. Yeah, and he leaves it, le- leaves it off the hook, yeah. Nancy then starts to panic, and her phone rings. She picks up the phone, she can hear the sound of metal on metal. The telltale sign of Freddy's claws. Or, she or, screams and rips the phone out the wall. Or Metal on Metal, the best song by Anvil. True. Metal on metal. It's good shit. But uh, she rips the phone out the wall all, and puts it in the, and then immediately is like, oh God, what if he calls? Oh fuck. And then she goes to leave and the phone rings again. She picks up the phone and we get one of the most famous lines from this movie. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. The bottom of the phone is turned into Freddy's mouth complete with kissing noises and a tongue sticking out. Uh, this was a great practical effect. And the mm-hmm. phone does exist. <laughs> I don't know if it. I don't know whether it's still. I don't know whether New Line still have it in a prop store or if it's went on to a private collector. But the prop does exist somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can see them selling it off. Yeah, they tend to do that. Right. Uh, Nancy then smashes the phone to bits before realizing that Freddy is after Glenn. 
She tries to run out of the house, but the front door is locked as her mum, who's nearly passed out on the couch at this point, says, You're going to get some sleep tonight if it kills me. <laughs> we've, we've all been there, absolutely. Absolutely rat-assed on the, on the uh, couch, just spouting shite. Back in Glenn's room, he's fast asleep as the camera zooms out to reveal the room as a whole. When suddenly, Freddy's arm appears from the mattress and drags Glenn down into a hole in the middle. There's a brief pause before a geyser of blood erupts from the bed where Glenn once was. His mum walks into the room and screams at what she sees. Ah. Fun fact about this, the rotating set for during that, that they used to achieve this effect fucked up. So when you see Glenn's yeah, mother's reaction, way. you can see the blood kind of pulling to one side. Yeah. Uh, it's close because the it set stopped at an angle. Yeah, you see it a few times, like it's coming off the yeah. lamp and all that shit. There's all apparently they were also going to do this thing where his body was going to rise up from it. Yeah, well. but uh, did not have the budget for that. No, they shot it. Oh, did they? Yeah, there's a, there's a version of it. Oh, they just, just cut. Yeah, they just cut it. Oh, but, fair um, enough. Ah, there was also a bit ages back, which I, uh, I, was, I forgot to point out. Right. Go on. But I think I can picture the exact moment. When Tim Burton saw this movie and thought, I'm going to cast this motherfucker in every movie I make, right? It's when uh, Nancy and uh, Glenn are in Nancy's room talking about their, you know, she's going to go find Rod yeah. in the dream. Johnny Depp just goes, yeah. Tim Burton saw that and came. Yeah. He was, he was, that's when he decided that he's going to spend the rest of his life with this man. Yeah. <laughs> So, we then cut to outside Glenn's house, and one of the cops tells the paramedics, you won't need a stretcher up there, you'll need a mop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which seems, which, to anyone watching the film will seem somewhat insensitive. To anyone that has ever met and spoke to anyone that works in the emergency services will seem right on the money. (laughs) Yeah, they're all like that. (laughs) Nurses, paramedics, firefighters, they don't fuck about, man. They've got the darkest humour. So uh, this scene is, again, incredibly well known, absolutely iconic, so much so it was even taken and recreated in the game Mortal Kombat 9 and used as one of Freddy Krueger's fatalities when he was added as a DLC character for that game. Oh, speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street remake Freddy, right? They also used him as the model for basically all future appearances of Freddy in video games. So the version of Freddy in Dead by Daylight, it's Jack L. Haley's version. The but version yes, of him in Mortal Kombat is onto. also Jack L. Haley. Do you know who accompanied Johnny Depp to his edition for this movie? No way was it Jackie. Mm-hmm. Seriously? Yeah, they were buddies. Didn't know that. There you go. Jackie Crazy. O'Hurley also appeared in a, one of those Gerard Butler has fallen movies where Gerard Butler falls and Jackie O'Hurley's just there being like, <laughs> but <he's, laughs> <You> fell. <laughs> he's got his voice is actually very high, like high. Yeah, pitch. no, his, his normal voice is very quite. Because I've only ever really seen him. I've only ever really seen Rorschach him. and Freddy. Uh, so when he's just sitting there being himself, he's like, "Well, I'm not watching this." So I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> oh. So inside the house, the police are putting buckets down as the blood has started to leak through the floor. Uh, Nancy calls Glenn's house after seeing her father enter to investigate the scene of the crime. She tells her father about Freddy and says that she's going to get him herself. I think she tried because to phone she's the earlier. only one who can. I think she tried to phone earlier. Garcia picked up the phone and just had like fucking flashbacks. She doesn't phone the police station. She phones the. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She she originally phoned the house, but Garcia picked up. Yeah. And was just, just had, had flashbacks to bully vic- to being a bully victim and slammed the phone down and ran <laughs> away. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the coroner's also... It's not again! <laughs> it's that crazy woman! <laughs> Apparently uh, the, the coroner is also puking his guts out. You would yeah. think, you would think that the coroner of all that he's probably seen, you know, bodies pulled out of rivers all bloated and shit. 
that just seeing a lot of blood isn't going to freak him out, you know? Here's, here's the thing that I honestly adore about this scene, right? Mm. We see the dream version of it. Uh, well, we don't know what it looks like in reality. Because in, the, because in the dream, we see things like, like Tina getting slashed up and almost burned and like thrown about the place. So what's his... In real life, she floats in and her body's like cut to shreds. So Glenn's mum so coming in... to be So diced, Glenn's mum coming in and screaming seeing this fucking fountain of blood. Was that a dream or is that real? So yeah, the fountain of blood would be real, but what would have happened to his body oh. after that? Because... We know that Freddy doesn't completely remove bodies. Hmm. The the fucking the result of his his sprees always is left behind. He doesn't completely he doesn't pull your physical body into the dream realm. It's just whatever he does to you in the dream realm happens to your physical body. <laughs> Until we get to <laughs> Freddy's dead. <laughs> but yeah. Fuck that shit. That <laughs> film was bullshit. It's terrible. <sighs> but uh but yeah, so we don't know what that actually looks like. All we know is what people react to it. Mm. So in my head, there is a body in that room. Yeah, because we, we see it in the cut scene, in the cut thing. But I think from all I remember, it's just but, Glenn covering blood. But um, but I yeah. st- speaking of Freddy's Dead, I still get my mind is fucking blown that the guy that wrote mouth in the mouth of madness wrote Freddy's, Freddy's Dead. Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. <laughs> yes. What the fuck happened? He lost all his pizzazz. <laughs> he spent it all in one movie. Or it was just too much cocaine. Yes. Mm. Uh, so as we say, Nancy calls Glenn House and talks to her father, tells him about Freddie and says that she's going to get him herself because she's the only one who can. All right, honey. She you tells do that. Her, she tells her dad to come home and break the door down in exactly 20 minutes. Uh, fun fact, at the point, at this point in the film, there is exactly 20 minutes left in the runtime. Yep, yep. Uh, I was able to time my fucking uh, when my ice would melt for my next drink very uh, nice yeah very very Uh, well (laughs) he he promises to acquiesce to his daughter's request Uh, cut to Nancy preparing a whole bunch of traps across the house including filling a light bulb with gunpowder and suspending a sledgehammer from the ceiling behind a door imagine if her mum in her slosh state just I just stumbled out and then just dies not even that just tries to turn on a light (laughs) gets a fucking glass shard in her face yeah Mother! Not just a glass shard, a full-blown explosion. Yeah. Apparently, so, apparently, that's... Although, a... they do cover why that doesn't happen. Is Nancy has a heart-to-heart with her mother before heading to her room, setting her alarm and saying the Lord's Prayer. Her mother is in bed, practically passed out. If the Adam Sandler movie, The Longest Yard, has taught me anything, that the, the fucking putting a... What do you call it's it? It's a remake of a Burt Reynolds movie, but all right. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Uh, well, I haven't seen that one. I've only seen the Adam Sandler one, so I'm going to call it the Adam Sandler Longest mm. Yard. <laughs> and it's the one I watched where I learned this. So it's the Adam Sandler Longest Yard. Bart so, Reynolds. He wasn't in this movie. Yes, he was. Not the one I watched. He is. In, he's the fucking coach. Yeah, he's not the main character. Who's the main character? Adam Sandler. Adam it's Sandler movie, movie, The Longest Yard. It's a Bart Reynolds movie. Adam Sandler remade it. With Bart Reynolds still in it, so it's still a Bart Reynolds movie. I don't give a shit, it's an Adam Sandler movie. So, (laughs) if I have learned anything from this, is that a fucking light bulb with a bunch of gunpowder in it? Prison move. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) God, I I know I've said this time and time again, but I wish that I wasn't the only one that could see your face when you fucking said that. (laughs) It was true, though. It's true. Prison move. <laughs> <laughs> if I go to prison, all the light bulbs are going to blow up in people's faces. Yeah, and you're going to start putting sugar in the kettle. Oh, that pish. <laughs> Make napalm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you can make napalm with um, um, shaving cream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the anarchist cookbook. Also, uh, also, you can make a really good fucking spicy ramen if uh, you take a hot Cheetos and put it in your prison ramen. Yeah. Crush them up. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't know why I know this. As we say, Nancy then has a heart-to-heart with her mother before heading to her room, setting her alarm, and saying the Lord's Prayer before going to sleep. Like how her mum is like, I'm not going to drink anymore. She puts the drink to the... She doesn't say it. I know she doesn't say it, but like she's... Essentially, that's what she's doing. She puts the... She goes to take a swig, but then she decides to put the bottle on her fucking... What do you call it? The no, I think she goes to take a, a swig, looks her daughter dead in the eye, and then puts the bottle down. Yeah, yeah, Just take the bottle on her and say she won't, she'll be too drunk to grab it. Just yeah. take the bottle. <laughs> just take the bottle. Have a fucking party. Also, why is her mum trying to hide the booze anyway? We all know Nancy knows she's drunk, so you know. You don't does, need to, you don't need to hide it. You do because because you know we know that they're drunk. We'll try and keep the bu- the booze out of the house so that she can get better. So then you start hiding booze places. Bet Nancy's an alky too. After this, any cunt would be. <laughs> So, Actually, we don't know. Did she drink in part three? I can't remember. No, but she's after tits and hitting herself. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, whenever he's not talking to Nancy, she's just kind of in the corner going, <laughs> <laughs> She's microdosing. Just grabbing at the air and shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Catching fairies. <laughs> oh, Nancy. Oh, Nancy. <laughs> Uh, so we then cut to Nancy walking downstairs in her PJs and she makes her way to the basement where she checks to see if Freddy's glove is still there. It's gone. She opens a door that wasn't there before which leads to a boiler room. We hear Freddy taunting her with the voices of each of her friends in turn. I, I, I First Tina, why, but when it, when then that, Rod, and then finally Glenn. I don't know why, but when that door you know, that wasn't there before, the first thing that came to mind was that first um, Matt Smith episode of Doctor Who where it's like, you know... There's the room in young Amy Pond's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what's in there, but... uh, Giant eye or some shit. Yeah, it's a thing, yeah. (laughs) Uh, At first... So, Nancy calls out for Kruger and journeys deeper into the boiler room. At first, she finds her friend's stuff, a crucifix, uh, Rod's switchblade, and then Glenn's headphones. And then, she finds Freddy. Freddy. She runs away, falling off a balcony and landing in front of her house... Her watch announces that there's 10 seconds left before her alarm goes off. She then runs at Kruger and tackles him to the ground. Just as he's about to strike, she wakes up in her room. I really alone. am. Alone. I really am crazy. She sits up and takes a deep breath, says, I'm crazy after all. Surprise, bitch! Uh, Freddy jumps out and for about, he doesn't actually say, he doesn't say bitch once in this movie. That, that entire fucking riff that Freddy's saying bitch all the time exists because of one line in Nightmare 3. And that's it. Uh, Freddy jumps out from behind her and she runs out the room successfully locking him in before running to a nearby window and shouting for the police saying, Get my dad, you asshole! Yeah, she smashes the, the door. The window, smashes the, door, the window yeah. open to hear, yeah. Uh, I like how he's just sitting there. He's like, everything's going to be fine. Get my dad, you asshole. <laughs> Smashing a window. I like There's how a it, fucking murderer here. I like how she smashes the second window and that's when he decides, like, maybe I should go oh, get no, something. Oh, that, it's not even the second window. It's the fucking third. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, two, win- the two windows. That's explainable. 
yeah, the third one. Oh, oh. fuck, maybe something's wrong. Mm. Right. So Freddy breaks out of the room and is hit square in the chest with the sledgehammer trap. He then falls over the banister to the bottom of the stairs. Oh no, it is the second window. I wonder right. how many unsolved murders this town has because of. Is that Garcia that's standing there? Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nancy taunts him and leads him into the next trap, the light bulb filled with gunpowder, which explodes and knocks him to the ground. Each time Freddy is knocked down, she runs to the window and shouts for her dad. To which eventually he says, maybe I'd better go tell the lieutenant. Aye, maybe you should, you fucking numbskull. What's the fucking matter with you? Now that there's smoke coming out of the house. Yeah, now that the house is very visibly on fire. And the woman (laughs) is, and this poor wee lassie is screaming out that there's a killer in the house with her. You're literally standing at the crime scene of a boy who was just fucking murdered like like a couple hours ago. And the woman across the fucking road for him shouting there's a murderer in my house. Hmm. I wonder what's going on. You well, fucking tit. What's the matter with you? There can't be a murderer in there because we all know Glenn just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn just spontaneously blew up. <laughs> he had a wee bit too vigorous of a wank and his spleen popped out. That's <laughs> his waterbed was apparently filled with acid. I don't know. Ah, uh, that's another movie. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nancy runs to the basement and throws a jar of gasoline over Freddy, and this is the first instance of Freddy being afraid of fire. Well, yeah. I mean, I would, yeah. I would assume he was afraid of fire anyway. He fucking yeah. died to it. Well, yeah, sure. But uh, we see Freddy going like, no, 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 no! And then she sets him on fire, and we get an amazing... Okay, I say amazing fire stunt. It's really fucking cool that it's done. However, on the screen, yeah, Freddy visibly him. gains like 20 to 30 pounds. Yeah. He gets, yeah. He gets fit. <laughs> yeah, Freddy, I don't know what it is. Uh, Freddy got fit. <laughs> Fre- You've heard Freddy got fingered. Now Freddy, got Freddy got fat. fat. <laughs> uh, Nancy escapes up the stairs and continues shouting for her dad. This time she's successful and her dad breaks the door down and runs in to save her. Just as they make it to the basement, Nancy notices a trail of fiery footsteps leading upstairs. She follows them alongside her dad and finds a still flaming Freddy atop her mother. <laughs> they douse the flames with a nearby blanket and when the blanket is removed, we see her mum's burnt body hovering over a stormy abyss. <laughs> like how the arm comes up, it's just kind of, I don't know why, but whenever I see it, I keep on thinking, it's just like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> just... <laughs> Did you ever watch the Did you ever watch the Snap Cube dubs of like fucking like the real time dubs of like Sonic and Shadow and all that stuff? Just a, hey, what's up? It's me. Uh, you should watch those. They're fucking great. Fucking John Saxon's just sitting there thinking like, how am I gonna write this on my report? Hmm. I'm not. <laughs> Rips the page in half. Heather Langenkamp just jumping on the bed. Well, Nancy's jumping on the bed, being like, "Mom, where'd you go? Your sheet smells like piss, mm. <laughs> burnt flesh, and piss." Uh, uh. So we're, we're a burnt body hovering over a stormy abyss. The body sinks into the bed, and then the bed itself reforms. While Nancy and her dad look on in disbelief. Nancy tells her dad to go downstairs and Very turns Hellraiser. her back on the bed. Very Hellraiser, yeah. Mm. While her back is turned. We see the fabric slowly begin to, like, something comes out from the fabric and slowly uh, Freddy emerges, slashing his way out and walking towards Nancy. You think you was going to get away from me? Yeah. She doesn't move. She doesn't even look at him. She just says, this whole thing is a dream. She then turns to look at him and demands that he give her mother and friends back. (laughs) I don't have that power. (laughs) I take back every bit of energy I gave you. 
you're nothing. You're shit. She then turns around and goes to walk out as Freddy dives in to try and strike and disappears just before he can connect. Nancy then opens the bedroom door and walks out, finding herself on her front porch on a bright day. Her mother stands beside her and says, you know what, I think I'm going to stop drinking. I just don't feel like it anymore. Oh, I've heard that many times. <laughs> Nancy walks out to her friends who wait for her in the car. Is that the... The car, the car which is a... Conve- the roof of the car then slams down. Is that the Christine car? Is it? No, it's not It's not a Plymouth Fury. Yeah, apparently the, the roof slamming down wasn't planned because you you hear you yeah hear, originally it was supposed to come up slowly yeah, but it didn't want to slam actually scream like, well she screams but she also goes like what the hell was that yeah <laughs> so it slams down and we can see that the roof of the car is now freddy's iconic covers the colors even the car drives off as the mum just waves we then see freddy's arm smash through the door grab ab nancy's mum and pull her through not the best looking effect. Not the best looking effect, but it is fairly ending. effective. It's also not the ending that Wes Craven wanted. This is where the film ends. Yeah. This is one of four total endings filmed for this. Yeah, because Robert Shea always kind of suspected that if this did well, they could, they could have a franchise they in could their have hands. A fran- so, the orig- so the ending that Robert Shea originally wanted was not the one that we saw. Rather, what would happen is, as the car took off, it would be revealed the, that Freddy was at the wheel. You mean the one that... No, the one that Robert Shea wanted was oh. it would reve- be revealed that Freddy was at the wheel. Mm. The version that Wes Craven wanted, the so-called happy ending, was one where the car simply drove off, but as it's driving off, you see the girls with the jump ropes, and you hear, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And that's it. So no one dies. That's all you see is just the jump ropes. The fourth ending was the car drives off. The gu- Everyone's unaffected. And then the mother gets sucked in. So there's, like, again, like four total different endings for this. What There have been dubbed the official ending. There's then the... Yeah, I believe it was called the Nancy ending, the happy ending, and then the Freddy ending, which is the one with Freddy at the wheel, which was what Robert Shea originally wanted, was to reveal that Freddy at the wheel, to which Wes Craven turned around and basically went, that's fucking ridiculous. Uh, it's going to look so fucking dumb. Let's not do that. Who has more money, Wes? We did it for part and two. So they then did, and so they then eventually came to a compromise and filmed the ending that they had. Uh, an ending which was not written until the day of filming. Mm. Mm. And thus ends our nightmare on Elm Street. Who has more money, Wes, in the long run? None of you are all fucking bankrupt after making this movie. We need to wait for that shit to come out before we can make any money. Bob Shea was in significant credit card debt before this film got made. Yeah. It nearly didn't even get distributed they didn't have the money to buy the original negatives. He had to take out a loan to buy the fucking print. I do I do wonder if Wes Craven was just kind of, as all the sequels are coming out, he's like, maybe I should have just filmed that, <laughs> that ending. <laughs> oh boy, the money that made. <sighs> so yeah, that is the end of what would become a massive franchise with Nightmare on Elm Street. Jacob, your thoughts? It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't really need to say much else. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's a good movie. Not my favourite horror movie ever, but yeah, it's Oh, good it most certainly is mine. I mm. love this. Uh, we've already stated previously that if there's one thing that Wes Craven does well, it's disturbing serenity. 
and he does that to great effect in this film to achieve that kind of dreamlike effect before uh, things start going sideways with like Freddy appearing and whatnot. He is an expert uh, at that kind of like giving stuff that kind of dreamlike quality uh, just to put you on your toes before uh, the actual shit starts to hit the fan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the soundtrack is absolutely incredible. Robert England, of course, is phenomenal uh, as Freddy. Uh, does a fantastic job of as do the entire cast I, I struggle to think of a single member of this cast that really I can say done a shit job my mum uh, even then she does a good job for the role that she's in I would say it's like yeah know. there are parts where it does she's get a bit soap opera no, she's but, too soap yeah. opera for me I don't like it she's, she's just uh. but yeah I don't know again she's meant to be pissed for the majority of this movie oh so yeah. Again, I would say that it works. At some point, though, you can't really excuse bad acting by saying it kind of works for the role. But this, um... I would say it does. In this instance, I would say it does. Mm. Mm. No, I don't <laughs> like it. Okay then. So yeah, that is us for Nightmare on Elm Street. What are we covering next week, Jacob? A fucking shit show. That we are. <laughs> uh, we are taking on the last. No, fuck that. Uh, we are taking on the Hells Have Eyes Part. Fucking a film which very nearly did not get made and quite frankly should not have been made but was literally only released because of how well Nightmare on Elm Street done I hate it it's a cash grab in every sense of the world and I cannot wait uh, for you guys to hear what we have to say about it next week on Archive Panic in the meantime I've been Ben Niven Uh, it's been me Jacob Russo and we'll see you again next week goodbye (laughs) One, two, Freddy's uh, coming. Oh. <laughs>